All right, I do believe we are live. Welcome everybody to a very interesting day and a very interesting episode of the Break the Rules uh, experience. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm going to call it from now oh. on, the Break the Rules experience. <laughs> Love it. Yes. 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 So once again, all the people who are watching this, don't forget to subscribe. Give a giant like right now and be sure to add this into your must-watched YouTube streams of all time because Break the Rules is growing. We are about, I think, uh, we're 9,000 subscribers now, so only 1,000 left. 10K. Yeah, left till the big 10K, so I'm very excited about it. And we have a very interesting episode for you today. We have Zero HP Lovecraft versus, although in a kind and gentle way, Aeon Animus, welcome to you both, guys. And again, I just want to say, for the record, I know, Gio, you have a very special uh, song to play for us right now, so why don't you do that? And then I'll, and then I'll yeah. just say the spiel. All right, so someone welcome in the chat everybody. asked... Wait, wait, wait. What what are why, why am I hearing my own audio? Oh, the, are you hearing your own audio? Yeah. Uh, experience. Oh, oh, maybe oh, it's me. Uh, that's, oh, that's it's me, it's me. Yeah. The break the rules yeah. experience. Someone asked in the chat, <laughs> what does uh, yes. Geo think of base so, coolers? This again, is what I think of base coolers this, actions. Don't forget to subscribe. Hail Poodler! Hail our victory! We're going to Kiev! It only took a day! A night! That's right! We're back, baby! Hail Poodler! Hail Poodler! There we go! Geo sells in the chat, remain winning! That's right, Eurasia! Duganism! Winning! <laughs> Geo, you're lucky you're not. Geo. Geo, you're lucky you're not living in. You're, you're lu uh, Geo, you're lucky you're not living in Ukraine right now. That's enough of that. Geo, you're lucky you're not living in Ukraine right now. Or Putin, or Putin's gonna, right or Putin's gonna, you know what Putin's gonna do? Putin's gonna take away your chicken tendies. And he's not gonna give them back. <laughs> no, not the Purdue! Not the Purdue kind! <laughs> oh, boy. And also, and I'm going to get a knock on the door from Ceases because that. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, I fucked up anyways. <laughs> in, all, in, all, in all seriousness, by the way, in all seriousness, I know that right now we're focusing on, we're focusing on BAP, but I just want to say that I think that Putin is going to be selling Russia off like China. Uh, he's going to be selling Russia off to China like a cheap hua. I know you guys love him, oh, no. but this is literally what's going to be happening. My prediction, oh. in the next couple of years, he's just going to be selling more of it off. He's going to be selling oil for incredibly cheap amounts of money to China. That's going to be acquiring more territory while this whole thing keeps going on. So that is my, that, that is my oh. opinion, and it is also a fact. And this is why you have to subscribe to BreakTheRules.tv, because we have all kinds oh. of opinions here. So anyway, let's get down to the main subject. Um, BAP. Bronze Age Pervert, Zero HP Lovecraft is a respecter, Aeon Animus is a disrespecter, but maybe with some the nuance in there. The only reason I had this, if we had to have okay. ZHP on, we had to have someone that uh, is acquainted with, not just acquainted with BAP, but is friends with BAP, uh, to make this copacetic. Oh yeah, god, I, sure. hope no, I, don't, I, oh, <laughs> I hope I don't... I hope nothing bad comes about from this stream. No, I don't think so. Don't no, Gio, so. don't worry, everybody yeah. loves you. So, uh, Aeon... Please tell us yes. about yourself before we start this, because uh, some people may not know who you are, 
And what is also right. the uh, what is also the inspiration for the uh, Star of David, aka Middle Chakra, with what looks like a grassy thing around it? It's like uh, right. from uh, it's like from Stardust Crusaders. You remember uh, JoJo? He had that ability to do the uh, the spiky. Uh, no, you never seen. Yeah, okay, never I, mind. I those don't I those who watch JoJo know what I'm talking about. Anyway, tell us about yourself, yeah. buddy. Okay, so yeah, I'm just like a Twitter show, I guess. Um, I wrote a book about a year ago, finished it, um, and it's about it's basically a commentary on the Old Testament. Um, I take the approach of analyzing where psychedelic drugs are present in that book. Um, it's free. I'm not selling it, just so you know. Um, so it's available free on the Internet Archive. Um, mm. Is and it on I your guess, uh, tw Twitter as well? Yeah, it's, it's my pinned tweet. So, um, and, that's that's um, an interesting one. I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. That's no, because I mean, just squaring the circle with um, McKenna's work in Christianity is kind of interesting because he was had a, like a notably unique yet very hostile opinion on Orthodox yeah. Christianity, um, particularly with his uh, one video um a strange vision you know the one where he's like what if christian ever happened it was like the Taoists got in bed with the southern uh, aztecs well you know that one. I oh I, I don't know if i've seen that one but yeah he did have a, a kind of derogatory view of the abrahamic religions i think um that was kind of but i think if he went back and he looked at it he might have a different opinion on it but Interesting. Uh, anyway so yeah so um that's um yeah, so that's kind of my thing, I guess. Yeah, so, and I do have some disputes with Bat, but I wouldn't say I'm a disrespecter. Um, because actually, you know, I, I do recognize his contributions to kind of this alternative culture kind of sphere that we're all in, and that they're obvious, I think. Um, but I think there are some problems with it that, you know, it, it may or may not be politically advantageous to adopt all of his views. Um, so that's kind of just the basic rundown that I guess I can give here. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into those uh, views. Before that, I also just want to say uh, right now, Super Iron Bob is king of the Super Chat at $75. If you want to become king or queen of the Super Chat, submit more. And also, uh, Michael has a great comment who says, oh, my God, we're already at Lev's Law. An, uh, as an online discussion grows longer, the probability of Lev mentioning chakras, kundalini, <laughs> or merkaba approaches one. So anyway, right. before before Aeon goes on, Zero, is there anything you would like to uh, say? Uh, yes, just briefly, I wanted to thank Gio. That was the most keynote thing I have seen all day after <laughs> the video of the air raid sirens in Ukraine that was cut off by the fried chicken commercial. But it was nothing that was really, really close. So thank you for that. Oh, no right problem. On. Well, there's and a long and history and of KFC and uh, Yeltsin. I mean, that's, that's true. Yeah. But look, in all, in all seriousness, you know, people are people are dying over there. It is a shit show. And uh, it, it does seem like people are behind several layers of irony when it comes to these things. And I'm not saying that everybody is, but it's uh, I know it's, it's a weird thing kind of being um, what's the term? You know, the general, the 
stool general, couch general. You know what I'm talking about. Cha- it's, it's armchair. Arm, yeah, armchair. Yeah, it's kind of it's a weird situation when it's actually happening. But I do understand there are there are interesting things just about like let's say that furry post that was done by Fur Affinity with the Ukrainian flag and the paws. <laughs> it's almost like the paws smashing the Ukrainian flag in a way. I mean, all that stuff is used for. You couldn't ask for better ammunition against common sense than that kind of shit. Or Bausch so. posting the femboy uh, yes. Ukrainian soldier. That's Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. But it's like, I do wish people would have more of a nuanced uh, view of these things, not just jump to the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of thing. But anyway, let's uh, get back to Aeon, because I know, Zero, you have a strict cutout time at uh, 4 o'clock. So Aeon, let us know what you think. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. I guess we could start with a couple things. I, I have a few things that I was thinking I could share. Um, um, so, yeah, I guess I guess one critique that I think actually makes a lot of sense and might make a lot of sense to this kind of circle of BAP is um, actually it comes out of, uh, I, I'm going to mispronounce this, but uh, You Miss Will, uh, the, the book by Ernst Jünger. Um, uh, in that book, he has a character that goes by the name of, uh, I think it's Knut Dahlin. Um, and this character, uh, when I was reading the introductory kind of couple paragraphs about this character, I just instantly thought of Bab. I'm like, this is just bizarre. It's um, it's it's really interesting. I, I have it up if you want me to read it. It's like one page. It's not very long. Um, and you, you can hear uh, this very interesting archetype of like, basically the bodybuilder um, <laughs> kind of tropics enjoying uh, kind of, I would say even destructive nihilist is how I would frame Bab's views. And I think it comes out in this, in this verse in, in, or these, just this one page in uh, You Must Will. So I can read it if you'd like me to, just to kind of just give us something to kind of start with. Does that sound all right? Sure, go ahead. As as long yeah. as it's not like five minutes uh, long or anything like that. It's... I think it'll be like two minutes. It's not... So um, so he's kind of talking about uh, being served by the chef who's Knut Dahlen. So he says, for about a year, I was served by Knut Dahlen, a Norwegian. Uh, we were on and off duty at the same time because our work schedules were both tailored to the school semesters. Uh, he was studying chemistry. After sounding him out for a long time, I was surprised that he could have slipped through the nets of the psychologist since uh, he embodied the classic type of the unsafe personality. Uh, it is, of course, possible that a man's character reaches a critical point at which a tilt effect occurs. One fine day, after 30 years of loyal service, a cashier runs off with the cash box. An, irre- uh, an irreproachable uh, burglar kills his entire family. Uh, this eruption can occur suddenly or only after lonesome brooding has undermined the moral foundation drop by drop. It has secretly hatched the misdeed. Um, well, fine or not fine, but one could assume that the psychologist, if one cares to take them at all seriously, could detect and warn against such predisposition. In Dahlin's case, his physical state had clouded their judgment. The Caspa, which is the castle where he works, greatly esteems a good uh, appearance. On the other hand, as I know from my own experience, the testers are able to create situations in which the face is removed like a mask. Dahlin looked wonderful. His picture could have graced the covers of magazines like Lady's Life or The Bachelor as a model of what thrives under the midnight sun. He also had a bohemian streak. Don would have cut a a finer figure amongst the uh, illustrious guests at the night bar than as a member of the staff, but he preferred the latter. 
In this regard, he personified a favorite motif of novelists, the corrupt aristocrat. If such a man cannot assert his role as Lord among his peers, then he feels he can do a better job of it several degrees lower. He enjoys getting mixed up in dubious matters or visiting the tropics, the master among colors. His face appears in his mestizo sons. So that's kind of an expert of it, an excerpt of it that that kind of shows this interesting kind of archetype and character that I'm guessing that Ernst Junger had encountered probably when he served um, with the Foreign Legion, with the French Foreign Legion, right? And uh, I think this this whole book is probably based off of that experience in some capacity, and as well as his you know his military service and everything like that. Um, but it's an interesting excerpt that kind of explains, and he gets more into it, but he explains this kind of destructive nihilistic personality type who's kind of slighted and has this kind of festering anger um, and how it's explosive and is dangerous. And he kind of, he says that Dolan is very much like himself. He kind of compares Dolan to being very much uh, close to himself as the anarch, which is his idea of kind of a sovereign uh, individual. Um, so in, just to kind of sum things up, uh, he, he, but he calls um, Dalin more of an anarchist, someone who just lets their kind of uh, will for chaos and destruction just kind of consume everything and undermine their moral fiber and undermine their, um, and, and kind of, I wouldn't even say moral fiber, but undermine their sovereignty and their capacity to command themselves. So that's, that's one excerpt that I thought was interesting that does kind of seem to resonate. And that's kind of one of my biggest critiques with Bath is that I think that his, you know, uh, his, his penchant for kind of a, uh, degradation for mocking and for destruction are are only good to a limited extent and that you know if you really want to change the system in any meaningful way you have to offer some kind of constructive solution and i think there are people who are on the right side of politics i mean literally the right side of politics but um who who do have that constructive sense you know there's great threads slightly about agriculture and um, and history and all kinds of stuff like that. So there are people on the right who are, seem to have a more constructive view. And to me, I think that should be encouraged. And uh, the, mo the mocking, I mean, the, the regime is destroying itself, essentially. You don't have to mock it to destroy it. I mean, it's just doing it itself. And I think it's almost self-destructive to, uh, to go after, you know, this self-imploding, uh, uh, you know, governmental machine. It, you don't have to do that. But what we have to do is we have to find some way to reconstruct a better system, especially if you have skin in the game. And that's another critique I have of Bab is that he doesn't really have skin in the game. Uh, he's kind of an international nomad and he doesn't really have any allegiance uh, to any country. He doesn't really, you know, it does, or at least it doesn't seem that way. He's perfectly fine with just degrading everything. So that's a kind of basic rundown of what my critique is. Um, and then there's the religious question that gets attached to that. And, you know, I think that in order to have a generative political philosophy, you probably have to believe in God and you have to have some kind of conception of uh, some kind of divinity. Um, and sometimes, you know, I think BAP has a little bit of that. And I think just to kind of, sorry, I'm going to wrap this up really quick, but I just want to give you guys a sense of what my thoughts are. Um, the, I think BAP's ideas when he wrote uh, Bronze Age Mindset were very clear and very uh, concise. And I don't know if it's just like the kind of current cultural political events, but I think over the past year, I just feel like his, his clarity has dropped off a little bit about uh, what he's trying to accomplish. And I think maybe it's because he accomplished it largely. I mean, over the past year, uh, you know, the kind of Bronze Age Mindset has just absolutely 
permeated popular culture all over the internet. I mean, it's undeniable. And it's because of that influence that I have a critique of, of his philosophy because the negative effects of, of his philosophy there are, will, will also permeate the general culture. And it's good to have some kind of uh, critical analysis, I think, that isn't just praise all the time. I get that he's a he he a lot of what he does is build morale and he builds hype and that's fine, uh, but there does need to be some kind of self-critical impulse I think uh, in any kind of and I would say this is an intellectual movement and maybe ZHP will disagree with me on this. I, I saw your thread earlier, um, uh, so I think that what's happening in kind of the dissident spheres of politics I think it is an intellectual movement that will probably end up. Um, Having, I mean, it really, it already does. It has some level of political influence and uh, influence on social commentary. So uh, it's, you know, politics is downstream from culture. And so, you know, the things that we talk about, the things that we think, the things that we share, this stuff does kind of seep out into the mainstream culture. So I think it is something like a movement. Zero, uh, what do you think? And also, I just want to say that you are a long time, how was it phrased? You are a long time friend of the show, Zero HP Lovecraft. Everybody subscribe for Zero HP Lovecraft and give a like and all that good stuff. And the bell. Zero, go on. Yes, thank you, love. I'm going to disclose to your viewers that my going on this, or my retweeting this, uh, this show, the condition was that Love would introduce me as a longtime friend of the show. So that's just oh. what you and I were having. But, uh, yeah, Aeon, there were a lot of points that you made there. So I'm just going to try to go down the list one by one. I was trying to find, actually, uh, in Bap's own words, because I don't want to speak for him or put words in his mouth. Uh, addressing this exact thing. So there, there is a question of whether what we're doing, whether it's frog Twitter or the, the broader dissident right, whatever you want to call it, is it a movement? And I've said before that it's not, and Bath has also said before that it's not. And the reason, so I think there's two senses of the idea of a movement that are easily conflated here. Uh, there is one definition of a movement, which I like very much, which is that it is a continuity of admiration. And what that means is that to be part of, of a movement, the people in it all have a shared admiration for some philosophy or some particular individual or something like that. And that's good as far as it goes. That's a, a fine outer layer. but. The reason we have to be very careful in defining ourselves as a movement is that we don't really have the ability to gatekeep. We don't really have the ability to just kick someone out, not easily. Anyone can just sit forever posting at the fringe, sticking whatever emojis into their name or pretending to be part of the movement. And to the outside observer, to someone who doesn't have a really clear, autistic, uh, you know, focus, on what's being said and who the players are, it's almost impossible to distinguish from the outside who's in the movement and who's out. And this is why you have so many people who don't really need, I don't even name them per se, but you see people using Bronze Age iconography and Bronze Age aesthetics posting who in no way represent the views 
a Bronze Age pervert or any of his friends who don't who get conflated with him, and then people say, "Oh, such and such a person has done this, and therefore it must be somehow Bap's fault, or somehow yeah. Bap is responsible." And and so, if we understand movement purely as 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 a loose affiliation, then I'm willing to accept that. But if we want to try to make it something stronger. A stronger tie. It's something that's only online. It's it's full of these sort of shifting, constantly shifting hyper territories. And I say hyper territories. I mean they're they're virtual and they're sort of more real than real. That's what I mean when I say hyper. They uh, hmm. they don't quite exist in the uh, physical realm. So, so, sorry that I'm cutting cutting in here. I just want to make sure that since there's not that much time that the focus is not so much on what kind of movement it is as opposed to the specific yeah, the things that BAP said because uh, Aeon right, you got right, certain yeah, points yeah. about uh, serving in uh, Washington's right. army and certain things. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that soon. Yeah, but, but, but anyway, so, so I want to be very, very careful about calling it a movement and to say like it's an intellectual movement I think this is not correct. This is to give up one of the biggest advantages that far Twitter and the dissident right has, which is a certain formlessness, a an amorphous quality. If you start to say, oh, it's a movement, here's a specific political platform, here is a specific agenda, then very quickly you become something which is on the defensive, which is easy to attack, which is easy to destroy. So if you want to go and be inspired by the Bronze Age pervert, which is what I endorse, because Bronze Age mindset is an exhortation. It's meant to light a fire in you, and it's meant to be uh, an example of vitality. It's not meant to tell you what to build. It's not even really meant to tell you how to live your life. It's meant to awaken something within you, which may long for construction, yes, for building things, but also for fire, also for blood. And I mean that very seriously. I'm extremely skeptical of any man who claims he's never seriously contemplated or desired violence and destruction and murder. I'm not saying you should lean into those impulses. I'm not saying you should let them consume you, but the capacity for violence, the capacity for war and for power and for death these are incredibly important. These are a vital part of man's soul. And these are things that we have almost completely abandoned and lost in this sort of modern place that we live in. So I, I want to reject this idea of this, this strangling safetyism that we kind of see, which is what that is against. It's like you talk about war. Yes, there's, there's destruction going on right now. There are people who are dying. I wish that all of the furries who support Ukraine would go there and fight for it. <laughs> and all the YouTubers as well. And, you know, like, and like we, we, we maybe make that a, a source of humor and love right when it says, like, it's serious. Yes, people, people die. But this is the reality of the world, right? The, the fact that the UN and the Biden administration and all these people that the U some Ukrainian intern running their Twitter account is like, why don't you at Russia and tell them what what you think of them? Literally uh, Hitler, literally Hitler, yeah. It's yeah, so our, weak. our politicians and the people running the world think we're in 
middle school and they're like, oh my God, Putin, I'm going to call the teacher. Mm. You're going to get in so much trouble. You're yeah. going to be grounded. But, like, but that, I should say, and, and, I, and I want to let Aeon in on this as well, but I just, I got to answer this as well. In a way, it makes it that much more of a challenge for a person observing the world to choose wisely as opposed to just going with whatever it is the crowd already considers to be the right choice. Because I think we're all to a, cer a certain extent uh, basing our thoughts on the thoughts of others at any point in time. And so when it comes to, you could even look at certain movements that existed, you know, like back uh, back during uh, the Weimar Republic, for example, as far as backlash towards the commies, backlash towards all the degeneracy that was going on at the time, I could definitely see there being this slippery slope. And I know it may be kind of like a boomer argument, but it's still very crystal clear to me that there is a very specific, very fascistic direction that a lot of these uh, BAP postings end up going into. And there's no yeah, denying that. Yeah, but I think you're that. missing the point, Lev. That's... Like, well, let let ZHP finish the point, then we'll, yeah. Yeah. So, so like, it's it's all sort of fine and good to be like a, a concerned troll about it and to say, oh, you know, it's going in a dangerous direction and it's in, endorsing these like fascist fascistic ideas. That's fine. Um, there will always be people who who think that and who feel that and who maybe want to wring their hands about it. I, I think one of these sort of overarching things that I've taken from being on Twitter and from being in this ideological space is that actually not everyone has to agree and it's fine to try a variety of strategies. I think there should be people who want to live peacefully, who want to build, who want to build specific platforms and try to defend certain ideological territory. Like, go ahead, by all means, uh, do that. And if you feel inspired by bronze age pervert in some way, take that inspiration and don't even worry about it so much. Rather, you need to feel the fire in your soul that BAP is trying to light. But at the same time, don't conflate that with bronze age pervert and his message and the people who really just want to embody that chaotic, destructive spirit. Like that's that is fiery, that is so moving, partly because it has no definite shape, partly because it can engage freely in mockery, freely in hatred, freely in all of those dark things that are so easy to condemn. It's that exact darkness, it's that exact dimension of chaos that that comes from that he's trying to awaken. We, I, I could go on because I, I want to talk about yeah, nihilism. I want to I wanna go to Aeon, yeah, but, but uh, one, one, one quick question. Do you think that there's enough of the people who you said who have this fire that's growing in their belly from the inspiration as opposed to people who want to have that kind of fire but end up just following whoever has the fire in whichever direction <laughs> that happens to go in? You know what I mean? I think m most people are going to be sheep, whether they're right sheep or whether they're left sheep, it doesn't matter. But I think that they are going to latch on to something that they see as stronger than themselves as opposed to galvanizing the strength in themselves. I mean, that's well, that's my opinion. But... That, yes, and... yes. So I, I actually agree. I think that about 19 out of 20 people uh, have no soul. And they're always just going to cleave to whatever center of gravity is closest to them and is, you know, to whatever star is burning the brightest, if you like. But 
I can't remember who said it. It was definitely one of my favorite mutuals. We don't really win until the Libs children come home and tell them crime statistics and drive them into fits of like crying and despair. Because right now, the opposite happens. You know, your kid's going to come home and tell you that your son, your, your son's going to come home and tell you he's really your daughter. No, I want the exact reversal. I, I want every little parent's woke eight-year-old to see the TV and start crying and be like, mommy, around blacks never relax. That's the world <laughs> that I want to live in. That's when we win. And those 19 no, 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 people, they are going to take my ideology and they are going to tell those truths to their parents. There could be there could be a good yeah well there could be a good balance here. Controversy recently though. Wait 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 hold on Geo sorry I know Geo harassment there could be a good balance here where at least if it was up to me the kind of influence I would have would be those same kids talking about the cultural problems as opposed to just picking this particular race let's say and say that this is like the problem right here there is nuance to these conversations that I think can be you know can be made capable of I don't think we have to throw throw out the idea of treating people based on what they bring to the table as opposed to just outright saying like this group of people whatever you, you get what i'm talking about it's the Call old me 13 but 50%. absolutely but i don't expect an eight-year-old to read steve sailor and you know have like the nuanced uh version of review memorized i'm fine with the caricature for as, as is age appropriate um but you you got into well not with the uh the race question but the woman the wq recently you got into quite a bit of controversy on twitter um a bunch of people were coming out of the woodwork uh trying to go after you i wonder i, I wonder like if, if like when we talk about these different personalities especially with bronze's pervert it seems that there is a sort of um there's an aura that develops around people i think the fact that bap is well largely anonymous um it, there's sort of there's a creation of an aura that is very compelling, but I think when people criticize BAP, to me, it seems that they're criticizing the bastardization of BAP rather than BAP himself. Mm. No, but, but I do want to get like, to Aeon Aeon's uh, critiques Richter, here because you know, Aeon, Aeon has not spoken in a long time. Oh, yeah, partly, oh, partly okay. thanks just... to me. Partly thanks to me. But no, Aeon, give give your heated, most heated critiques. I want them now. I want the biggest, the biggest ones. Yeah, That's a very I'll give I'll give an interesting one. I think. So one of the things that interests me that ZHP just brought up is he talks about you know having that kind of. Uh, that I forget what the word that BAP used, but that fire, um, that, that fire of Aeon, right? Uh, he talks about having that and that will for violence and that will for, you know, hatred and all these things that ZHP just said, right? And, but only when white people do it. And that is the thing that fucking makes me laugh. It's just like such this, you know, what's the priority? Is it, is it, the, is it the fire of Aeon or is it, um, you know, defending the white race or whatever? You know, so it's, you know, it's to me, it's a little bit ridiculous. And there's been some interesting um, scholarship on, on the Iliad that di uh, I can't remember the name of the book right now. I think it's I could I, I'll post it later. Um, but uh, this book explains how the basically the Bronze Age people in the Iliad just live like gangbangers. I mean, they just live like gangsters is what, what they do. They they go out and they plunder. Uh, they take women. Um, and he, he takes all of this like sociological research, the author of this book, and he 
kind of puts the excerpts from the Iliad right next to like things that gangsters just say um, kind of when they're hanging out and talking and just being casual. Um, so to me, you know, I see and and I'm kind of similar to BAP in this way, in the sense that I do see the kind of value of, of uh, you know, the kind of uh, kind of anarchic freedom of gangland, so to speak. I mean, um, that there, and he kind of talks about this and um, in, in Bronze Age mindset, and he kind of posts about it a little bit, but how this kind of space outside of the law, outside of the law, or maybe not outside of it, but you know, kind of in between it. Um, is is a space for freedom uh, and is a space for self-actualization. Um, so I I can agree with him on some of these sentiments. The one problem that I like that I just don't get that a lot of you guys have is that it's like uh, is the race thing. The race thing to me just doesn't make any sense. Um, and I think well, in Bronze Age mindset, it, it, well, it's not with everybody on on the side of Twitter, and that's why I hang out here because well, it's not everybody. Like a- if it was everybody, I just leave. But because um, a lot of way nationalists explicitly hate VAP, like they call him a homo and all that stuff. Like I've I've even heard like right. people of very powerful podcasts say that they hate BAP. So Yeah. Um it's not just BAP, and I'm kind of using BAP as a kind of like figurehead and a kind of um yeah, an avatar almost of this kind of general kind of dissident right movement. Uh because I think he embodies a lot of the ideals. Um and it's just, and uh in, in Bronze Age mindset, he he kind of has these moments where he's like, he's not very racialist at all. Like he's, he has no kind of like overarching racial philosophy that he's trying to impose. It's just this kind of, uh, the spirit of kind of, uh, of autonomy and, and, uh, and, and, uh, strength and power. Um, and I get, I get that. Uh, but the whole racial component to it, which I think is kind of pseudo historical, even it's not like, um, you know, like, he has this kind of irrational hatred of Phoenicians, which I just f- find just strange. <laughs> but because um, I mean, there aren't Phoenicians anymore, anyways. So, um, so there's just these weird racial like uh, points of like spurgery and autism that just to me are just like kind of humiliating and kind of. Um, and I think essentially the 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 big um, the big problem with this, I think, is that this is uh, this this defaces us in the public eye when we are presented as these racist warmongers who think that, you know, we should be ignited by the spirit of violence, um, but only for white people. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a problem. It's a real problem and it discredits the whole ideal. It kind of, it kind of undermines it. You kind of have to pick, you know, whether you're, you're going to have that religious orientation or you're going to have the racial orientation. I don't think that you can have both of them. So that's, that's my ideal. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that well, ZHP, you go ahead. Then I have I have my own thoughts on that. But yes, uh, well, there's a as they say, a lot to unpack here. Yeah, as they say. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's what we're here for, right? Yes. That's what we're here for, huh? <laughs> well, we're going to have to unpack it quickly. I think BAP does not really engage too much with a religious angle and there is indeed a tension in a sense between certain flavors of Christianity and between what BAP does which is which is not Christian I hesitate to call it pagan although it is in a way uh BAP is a Nietzschean and he never claims to be Christian but many Christians no this is simply false 
And what it tells me is that I think you have not really deeply engaged with positions or possibly with Nietzsche's and Baps are substantially the same in, in many ways. Uh, what Nietzsche does, what his entire sort of work is about, is finding ways not to be a nihilist in the face of the understanding that God is dead. And I'm not really here to debate Christianity versus, versus Nietzscheanism or Christianity versus atheism or anything of that sort. But many, many Christians, many Catholics, many Protestants, many Orthodox people do enjoy BAP and read BAP, and they don't see uh, a problem with what he teaches because that spirit of vitality straddles any particular religious impulse, I think, or any particular religious tradition. It's, it's something yes. much deeper and more primal. Mm -hmm. I can offer so, an example. So I definitely agree with that. I can offer one example, though, of yeah. one thing that Bap says specifically in relation to the uh, small hat people of which I am a part of. Here is a building. I, I don't know if you could see it that well here. It's kind of a small uh, thumbnail, but it's a very beautiful building. Well, I will post it uh, later, and it's by um, Michael Eisenstein, who is of uh, the same small hat tribe as I am. And one of the things in Bronze Age mindset that he wrote was how the small hat people are incapable of creating beauty. So something like that just by itself, uh, I'm not I'm not a huge fan. Wait, you I said think that's that? yeah, I think that's kind of dumb. Because no, because I think there's an ambiguity there because Bap uh he's like chastised by white nationalists as not well, I mean you know, the ones relegated to telegram. Uh as Yeah, well a lot of a lot of leftists Yeah, but Geo, a lot of leftists a lot of leftist SJWs have so much infighting amongst themselves too, whether it's between like the queer people versus the transgender or whatever, there's always going to be an eating of oneself whenever you get into well, the nitty no, gritty think, of any no, movement. But the point being is that I think Bap doesn't make it like this obsessive shelling point of his worldview is to criticize the tiny hats obsessively. I yeah, but it's Bap still it's still connected though. It's still connected to such an extent that it's almost like when he says that, I think a lot of people do internally cheer because like, yeah, but, he's saying the right thing. You know, no, he's on my I team. Think what Bap, I particularly remember that one episode of Caribbean Rhythms. I think what Bap meant is that when it comes to a particular form of visual aesthetic beauty that the Mediterraneans, to a certain extent, uh, certain Slavic people have, uh, the Germanics, maybe it's, there's ambiguity there. He means like the people of your tribe, they don't exactly have a high uh, visual sort of aesthetic space, an eye for it, as opposed to other things such as the written word, such as high verbal like you i think that's what that well was. that's why i gave the example of one uh, for example michael eisenstein who was a genius uh, architect so what is this well, about not having no, a but, visual but, but at the same time he bap tends to like uh, a lot so of so uh, if i if i may so oh, I, I think that when we are talking about any kind of racial attribute i think racial attributes are real like there really are specific characters that different races have we're always talking about uh, a sort of a bell curve, a probabilistic center, right? Like the classic and obvious example that anyone can understand is that men are taller than women. This doesn't mean that all men are taller than all women. It means that if all you know about two people is that one is a man and one is a woman, then probably the man is taller. And I think everyone here probably understands this basic statistical reality. So when one makes a racial generalization, any racial generalization, it doesn't matter what it is or what races are involved, 
there is always an understanding, an implicit understanding, that we're talking about a large mass of people and that there are going to be uh, outliers and people who don't fully embody the exact fat part of the bell curve. Uh, I will say this. I know many based little hat people, incredibly based little hat people, and I also know many little hat people who, quite frankly, I have never seen anything on Twitter that anything on Twitter that even manages to categorize and characterize exactly what they're like. So why is that? It's a mass of people. There's a bell curve. That's, that's the truth of racial generalization. But, but to speak more specifically to what Aeon says, why do you make this a race thing? It's because it is a race thing. In every way, it is a race no thing, way. as no. you, you might say. It's because each race does have its character. It does evolve as an organism. There are specific characteristics that are hereditary, that pass on from father to son, that pass on within a tribe, not necessarily a little hat tribe, uh, any tribe, right? Because what is a race? A race is an extended family. And they're subject to breeding and they're subject to change. And, and to claim that the race thing doesn't matter or to claim that there's no, no ground truth there is basically to claim human neuro neurological uniformity. It's to claim a blank slate. And this is not backed up by science. It's also not backed up by common sense observation. It's not backed up by anyone who's ever fucking met people of different races outside of like their Ivy League towers. I, I see you grinning, but if you're not a racist man, I'm going to be really, really honest with you because I have to go in 10 minutes. You are not one okay. of us. You don't belong in this cool. That's good. Good. Place. Like, get the fuck out. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> love oh, it. Love it. There it is. <laughs> no. Um, well, yeah, I mean, so I'm not what, a what is it? Like, uh, do you mean the racist? I mean, I don't know if I'm. Well, no, but but what I don't get, but what I don't get here, zero, is then if we're talking about North Koreans versus South Koreans, already a small amount of time made a pretty big difference, not only in their heights but also I think in their mentality. So if there is a certain thing that gets passed on, it's subject to change, which is why I don't see there being any tried and true thing where you could say this person from this thing is always going to be of this nature. At least for the little hats, what I'd say is that there is so much variety in them where I would be, I don't think, uh, saying the wrong thing if I would say that you would have wonderful contributions from the little hats to all kinds of different fields, including chess and architecture and art and poetry and yada, yada, yada. Specifically, I would say, though, that I don't think that they are a race. I would say that they are, let's say, a, uh, how do you say it, like a... Um, uh, people, what's the, what's the right word here? Basically, that they would be Europeans who have a certain kind of culture that they've passed on, I think, through the studying of the Torah, where they were able to reinterpret different things in a different way, and all of a sudden you have different people from that group being incredibly successful at different things, including successful in the urban environment, which, let's face it, leans to more leftist views. If you're in the city, that's going to be something that you're going to have a lot more of. Anyway, I said my thing. Aeon, go ahead. Well, well wait. Maybe go ahead, Gio. Go. Yeah, go. Go. You're good. No, well, if BAP has to... BAP, if ZHP has to leave, um, maybe... Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah, I'll, I'll just say... respond to that, but I'd also like to let Aeon say... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it brief. Um, yeah. Uh, so me and so one thing have I would say, after, so. yeah, yeah, we can chat more too. So one thing I would say is that, you know, I think that people are generally, I mean, the, even the notion of, of a kind of monad, right? The religious notion of a unity of God, 
this idea kind of presupposes that yes, people actually are all the same. Um, so that we kind of share a singular consciousness. That's, I mean, this idea comes from religion, it doesn't come from science, it doesn't come from anything, you know, that you can like scientifically dissect, but it is a persistent belief throughout world history that, that the entire world is interconnected. And that really, I mean, in that, in that, in the, even just the sacredness of life itself, I mean, it doesn't necessarily, it, it doesn't necessitate creating uh, racial divisions, I don't think. And um, it, I just, I don't see, I just do not see uh, the reason or the benefit from being, uh, from being racist, especially if you are an American and you live in the multi-ethnic society that we live in. There's, there's simply no political advantage to it. It empowers the Democratic Party. Um, it allows them to divide and conquer. I mean, Biden got elected because, you know, a couple of people on social media apps post racist things every once in a while, and it scares all the normies. Uh, that so that is not that how Biden got elected. Come on, come on. Well, that's the most it, fucking. That's how we justified it. That's how. That's how. They, that's how it's justified. That's how it's justified. That's how it's justified by the press. Is that you know? That's how the the, the rule of Leviathan. Oh, the wine press. Yes, I am sure that the wine press. Logan press. Why Biden was elected? Like, come on, man. No, no. Well, I, well, you guys, this is my point. Well, hold on. This is my point. I want to make before ZHP has to leave. Is that you guys are way more powerful than you think. You're way more powerful. You're way more influential than you think you are. And you're capable of doing so much more than you're currently doing. You're just hamstringing yourself because you believe in these, uh, frankly, fake and antiquated ideas about race. And uh, that's so you're just basically crippling yourself. Is principle component analysis real? What's that? Is principle component analysis real? Is principle component analysis? I don't know what that is. I'm not like technically savvy that way. Okay, so you said that the idea of race is antiquated, but in fact, the idea of race is incredibly modern. To briefly touch on something that led... No, you're right, you're right, you're right there. Yeah. That there is not one race of little hat people. There are actually many races of little hat people, uh, and they all have different attributes. And the really, really smart ones all sort of come from Austria at a particular time, and that's a fascinating subject on its own. But... Uh, you know, but even there, it doesn't stop people. But even there, it doesn't stop people who are, let's say, Sephardics from being able to excel at various fields as well. Which is why, again, it's kind of silly no, to me. No, certainly, because because these are racial generalizations, right? And there's always going to be outliers, and there's always going to be bell curves, and there's also right. going to be nepotism. But but when we when we talk about race as an antiquated idea, actually, the most modern thing in the world is the realization that race isn't just real; it goes all the way down, like. To, we can use modern technologies, technologies that only existed in the past 15, 20 years, to not only show how real race is, but to show that it's realer and more determining of things that, that people never even would have thought possible in the past. So to claim that race is an antiquated idea, when in fact it's a hyper-modern idea and it's a very real idea, okay. is, is just... It's clown shoes, man. It's clown well, can shoes. I run this by you, ZHP? Like, honk, my, honk. my what would you say? <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> he honked at me. That's, that's all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I I think that um my personal feeling is oh man I'm really gonna get some fucking hate for this one. I don't harbor any particular racial animus against anyone, but I do think like race is a real and legitimate category that we have to take seriously. I think that it's not. You can like what is a quote unquote racist, but someone who acknowledges that race very much is real and genetics do play a huge part. And I think that 
for example, even in, in Europe, I mean, someone who is of Scandinavian descent is obviously has an incredibly different worldview or aesthetic picture of the world even than someone who is a Mediterranean like myself. And so it's just, I, I don't know. But at the, at the same time, I think that because the sort of modern regime looks at things through so much of a racial lens that to say that, well, you know, maybe sometimes we do have to fight fire with fire. Not to say that we have to like, you know, full on... Um, you know, fed mm. post, but I don't, well, I don't know what do you well, think. Before, you know? Preferably not. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, I, I, I understand how the politics of the modern dissident right is very much bound up in race. Uh, but what do you think, Zij? Wait, but also to to add on to that, which I know you like to do often, Gio. I want to. I, wanna, I um, want to. <laughs> I want to add one more thing onto that, which is when it does come to the decisions that people make, I honestly think, like Zero HP said before, most people are going to be sheep, and most people, upon having a certain reflex to a lot of these leftist ideologies, they do end up going all the way to the other side, and they do end up, I think, coming to the conclusion that if there are certain differences between people, then we are going to not only, you know, not only are we going to confirm those differences, but now we're also going to start excluding people because it's the polar opposite of what the other side is doing, which is why I've always believed that the leftists do so much more to empower some future fascistic regime than any LARPer online could ever do. Well, they are the best at it. They are the very best at that doing that. As well, I think he has a, compared to the average white nationalist, I think he has more of a deference towards Mediterranean civilization. But what do you think? ZHPU, I know yeah. you have to go, and then me and Aeon, I think we're going to probably talk more. Um, but I just wanted to give you more yeah, time. I have to just a few minutes. Yeah, thank you. Um, to be perfectly honest, I lost my train of thought there uh, in all of this chaos. <clears throat> but I will say this. I mean, we have to, so we, we have to wholly renounce the metaphysics of the modern left this claim that like race exists to the idea that race is some kind of concept that was created to or that's, that's played up to divide us this is nonsense this is actually a piece of communist rhetoric which many people repeat without realizing it they're wandering this idea it's like what is it dividing us from well that's what the missing term in this equation it's divide no it's dividing us from uniting and rising up against the capitalists and rising up against you know the 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 oppressors like that's what people mean that's the implicit claim whenever you say something like race or whatever exists to divide us but the value of religion to refer to what or to to respond to what love was saying is that it makes us realize that in fact we don't have to kill each other even if we acknowledge that there are real racial differences when you talk about uh, a unity a religious unity it's not a unity of consciousness that's that's non sequitur, frankly. It's a unity of spirit, it's, which is different from consciousness, very different. It means that your soul is worth the same, but it doesn't mean that your mind is the same. It doesn't mean you think the same way. It doesn't mean you have the same intellectual capacity, for example, which is the really, really important thing to stress when we talk about race. It doesn't mean you have the same proclivities, right? It means your soul is worth the same to God, but this isn't, this is the material world. This is, this is Caesar's world, not God's world, right? And that means you have to render unto Caesar. And uh, what would you say, lastly, before you have to go with the nihilism charge? I know the nihilist thing gets thrown about, but uh, would you you wanted to say specifically about that? No, no. Uh, I, I don't think there's really 
time to go deeply into that. But the main point there is that to claim that Bap is a nihilist because he's a Nietzschean misunderstands both Bap and Nietzsche. That's that's the main mm. point there. And don't forget that Nietzsche had a lot of problems with Wagner based on his views of the tiny hats. Well, no, it was mostly because he converted to Christianity. Left. Well, yeah, I guess. I he had this strange... It's funny, I actually uh, talked to that professor that claimed uh, that kicked out Michael Millerman in a debate. I was talking to him after, and he said that uh, even Nietzsche's uh, deference towards the tiny hats is problematic. He's the one that wrote the book, How Reading Nietzsche and Heidegger Will... Uh, turn you into a fashy uh fashy goy so um but anyways zero you have to go so uh there's many points we have to discuss with aeon i will try to do my best to defend the bappers although i do not claim to be a quote-unquote bappist myself as you can clearly yeah. see i am an epic bodybuilder no <laughs> <laughs> Geo, you'll always be a wholesome chungus to me. So, <laughs> thank you, everyone. Aeon, thank you for the debate. And I yeah, will you see too, all man. of you around. Take care, Zio. Thank you, yeah. ZHP. Take care. Yeah. Love you, buddy. Uh, I wish we had more time. Uh, no, I'm definitely friends of the Baptist, but uh, uh, so, yes, Aeon, you respond to them. We'll get a bit into race a little bit, then maybe the nihilism thing. So, what would you respond right. to ZHP? What do you say? Well, I, I think a lot of it comes too from a fetishization of uh, of high IQ and intelligence. Um, I don't necessarily see, you know, I don't, you know, to me, what's the difference between the soul and the intellect in in, in a big way? Um, I don't I don't see that that distinction uh, as much as I think a lot of people do. Um, just because. It, I don't know. I don't know how to kind of get into this conversation. I feel like it's a little bit too murky. Um, but essentially, I just I, I don't agree with the fetishization of IQ. I, I think it's just kind of like science boy crap. That's just stupid. Uh, frankly, I think mm -hmm. that um, I think that the spiritual forces in life are definitely more powerful than like human intellect and, um, you know, political forces that are kind of spontaneous and uh, that kind of emerged spontaneously, ne not necessarily by anyone's singular in intellect, but by a kind of almost like a hive mind process, uh, just like, you know, world events and, you know, like the trucker convoy, for example. Um, th these these things are really powerful and really impactful, really meaningful. And it's not necessarily powerful because there's like some genius behind it, masterminding it. It's just that it's a spontaneous uh, emergent phenomenon. So I don't see IQ as like this huge defining factor of whether or not you're a good person or whether you're not a great person. Um, I, and I just, and I, you know, even whether or not you're a competent person, because I think the right person in the right group of people can, can figure things out. I just, I think that there's something hyper individualistic about these, these racial ideas and something that is, I think, deeply um, antisocial uh, in a profound way to the point where you start abstracting the notion of like your allegiance to your race rather than just simply your allegiance to your family and your friends, the people that you know in your life. Um, no, but it, there's a but lack of immediate, there's, there's just a lack of um, immediate uh, relation in these abstract racial theories um, that I think really, it, again, this, this also hamstrings the spirit of what Bep preaches, which is about, you know, this kind of spiritual fire. You, you can't really have that when you're, when you're blocking your, your mind and you're blocking your relationships with other people. Uh, because of their skin color or whatever. So I, yeah, so I think it's, I think it's, um, it just, it doesn't, it's not healthy. It's just not healthy to hold, uh, 
racial prejudices as a kind of gospel and as a kind of orienting political philosophy, I think is a really unhealthy thing to do. I think to an extent I would agree, but I would say that like to me, BAP is a midway point between the explicit, like, you know, Natsock that says religion is your race and so forth and, and something deeper, at least he embodies, I would say a perennial understanding of, um, race being something that is also of a deeply spiritual component and that it's something more abstracted than say the base reductionism of like, I don't know, I wouldn't accuse Steve Saylor of being a reductionist, but you know what I mean? Like the sort of like yeah, race yeah. and IQ discourse. I, th mm -hmm. I, I think that to me, BAP is saying that there is what well, we were talking about before you were saying about um, the ancient, the, the sort of uh bronze age step warrior being like a gangster. I think that the BAPian model of like a pirate or a gangster he, to me, at least what I interpret it as, is him saying that there's something unique to European civilization, to sort of Faustian man, whether you want to argue that that European civilization comes about from a like more Nordic or a more Mediterranean or a more Slavic or a more Germanic or a combination of all of them. He's saying that in that is like a sort of capacity for Faustian man to be both that, you know, step warrior and gangster and pirate, but also create a high civilization that unfortunately has been led astray and has enabled mm. some of the worst characteristics of what we consider uh, modernity or high civilization or whatnot. Uh, so I, I, I think that, but what you're saying, I mean, I mean, well, people are, uh, well, I have a question. Ask you in the chat. About I, what you I have think a question. Of, uh, Zionism, Aeon. I don't know. About that, but oh, do we want to hear that? I don't know. I like, well, I, li I like Zionism. Oh, I like, like we Zionism. All know you do. We all know yeah, you because do. <laughs> because I consider Israel to be a uh, high civilization. That's well, Israel why Israel is an ethno state in a way. It's a civilization state. I wouldn't so, say it's an ethno state. I wouldn't say it's an ethno state by any means <laughs> but, um, for the other reasons. But yeah, go ahead, Ayan. No, but I think yeah. like, no, no. You got you got different people in there. You got Arabians and you got Druze. Okay, I think yeah, a couple things I want to touch citizens, on. citizens, which is is right, Lev. I mean, okay. <laughs> wait, we gotta save that to be. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You got yeah right. with your father. That'll be a fun one. Okay. Um. Yeah, so go I, ahead, Aon. Go ahead. Okay. So first on the, on the Zionism question, uh, yeah, I've got a problem with the racial supremacist philosophy of, of Zionism. I've got a huge problem with it. I think it's ridiculous. Um, and I where think where do they state it that it's a racial uh, thing? Oh 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 oh. Open well, worms. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's it's the, it's a generally kind of accepted. I mean, you can read news articles about it, but there's all kinds of people who get kicked out if they're you know, if they don't look the same way. And um, and I mean, really, I mean, the, the Gaza is really horrible. I mean, do you have any idea how many do you have any idea how many Ethiopians migrate to Israel on a daily basis and the amount of Ethiopians that are currently living in Israel right now? Yeah, and that was by the that was by the choice. That was by the choice of the yeah. Israeli government to bring them in. And at that point, it's like it's their choice. Do they want to come in? Do they not want to come in? The point is that regardless well, of whatever services they do, there wasn't any, let's say, forcing of people to go in there. It was by their own choice. There are two languages in the Israel Senate or Senate, whatever it's called. It's uh, Knesset, it's uh, Knesset. yeah, Knesset exactly. It's Hebrew and it's Arabic. So this whole idea of this racial supremacy thing, when you have a hospital like Shiva Medical Center, half of the staff being uh, Arabians who, on a daily basis, save people's yeah, lives. Yeah, I don't want to get into Israel. I don't want to get into this. Yeah, but like, um, yeah. So I, it, 
I, you know, I, it doesn't, that doesn't really matter, but I did want to touch on um, what Gio was saying. Um, okay. So this idea of the European step warrior uh, in the Iliad being like a gangster. Um, well, you know, so I, I kind of dispute this interpretation that like civilization comes from Europe. I just don't believe it. Um, and my book addresses this subject pretty clearly, actually. It takes a long time to get to it. But by the end of the book, I, I kind of basically give this, this thesis that classical architecture is actually a product of the Middle East and the Fertile Crescent. It, it didn't start in Europe first. Um, it, was, it was actually done by Jews uh, in, in a big way. It was, um, and it's kind of talked about all in the Old Testament of the Bible. King Solomon supposedly had these massive public works projects. And the reasonable assumption is if the Bible is telling the truth in the Old Testament is that uh, you know, there should be evidence of this stuff that Solomon worked on with these 150,000 laborers laboring for 40 years uninterrupted by war. Um, there should be something in the Middle East as evidence for that. And my my personal belief is that the so-called Roman ruins in the Middle East actually aren't Roman. They were built by the Semitic people. And um, I can give a spoiler, I guess, but I think Baalbek was built by the Israelites. Mm. Um and so, so you're talking uh, almost like the, Isra- like the Israelites being like a mix of uh, Phoenician people as well. And like this whole empire mm-hmm. that stretches all the yep. way to uh, England, you could even say like with the copper mining, sure. no, the tin mining that was going on there at the time. I mean, that is that's that is right. an interesting thing to see, like how how much that's downplayed in today's history as far as these biblical ideas. They get completely discredited where Israel is just portrayed as being like this, you know, the small insignificant place with a bunch of, you know, uh, people who dwell in the deserts just living there and that's it. Nobody sees the other side of it, which I wish we could get Neil on here because he does a lot of uh, oh, can digging I actually about this. Love, uh, yeah. I think uh, Tia Sended, who's been on the show before, Thad, he uh, wants to get on. Uh, did you see the DM uh, you sent to? Oh, let me see one second. Because he can fill in for, for ZHP who had to go. All on. right. So for people in the chat, ZHP, had, he only had a hard hour cut off. He's a busy man with his tech job. and. Uh, you know. All right, we're getting Thad in. And this is kind of, Aeon, what you were saying before about like having other people come wild, in. But that's uh... I mean, civilization yeah, built fun. by Middle Easterners. I mean, I don't know. I don't it's... know enough. Uh, like, there's people that dispute, like, Bronze Age Herbalist, he could probably go into it has also been yeah. on the show uh but i but w- so what is your thesis that you're saying that evidence wise the middle east and particularly the this let's call them uh, the the oh not not some well semitic peoples are the yeah, ones who yeah, have yeah. created civilization um, yeah and african people as well because you had egypt kind of extended into that that region as well well there's a debate whether yeah. they're arabs or not i mean that's well, uh, yeah, well, supposedly I mean, the, Ara- it, the Arabs, they're the uh, sons of, I mean, if we're going by the Bible, well, the Arabs are the sons by uh, Hagar of, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, they're no, of Abraham. The son of Shem, white people are the son of Shem. Well, or, no, well, Shem is Semites, Shemites, you know, however you want to say it. That's the, uh, the son yeah. of Noah. Then there's Japheth and then but, there's Ham. But you're saying that in, in terms of the genealogy, like Bronze Age Perver is very specific about his sort of, um, love of Nordic and then Mediterranean peoples as being like the yep. progenitors of civilization and that the steppe warriors um, from that crescent, from the sort of like, uh, the let's call them the Hyperboreans. They, uh, <laughs> sure. um, they're the ones who were really the, the spread forth 
throughout the land bridges and so forth and have created various. And so Bap, I know in his podcast, he talks about how, I think even with Stony Cherbalist, he talked a lot about this, where they sort of populated other steppe peoples, whether it's the Mongols, whether it's um, even the Japanese to an extent, uh, certain Native American tribes. Uh, so you're contesting that thesis of like the sort of Aryan expansion. Mm. Sort of, yeah. Step step by step. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, essentially. Um, yeah, I do contest this. Um, so uh, basically in my book, I follow Terrence McKenna and I assume that stoned ape theory is mm. real, right? That we, we had his beings... brother on the show, by the way, Dennis McKenna. I know it. I watched it. It's great. I love oh, that episode. Excellent. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, that's a pretty amazing conversation. Yeah. It's just wild. But um, anyways, uh, so I do follow Terrence McKenna's ideas with stoned ape theory. I believe people generally evolved in Africa um, on the Saharan grasslands when it was a grassland uh, at that time. And th that this is kind of where the kind of first modern humans kind of started, you know, it kind of came into existence and that um, and that it, this, this was caused by, you know, maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years of taking uh, hallucinogenic mushrooms and probably by pregnant women and probably causing some level of genetic mutation uh, in their offspring. Uh, there's, there's some evidence that psilocybin helps grow your brain cells um, and it has neurogenerative, uh, neurogenetic properties, I guess is probably the, the way to say it. Um, so, you, you know, there's some in inclination that psychedelics can help grow your brain cells. If you give this to a pregnant woman, there's some understanding that, well, maybe it'll mutate the baby in some capacity, just like fetal alcohol syndrome, uh, but with a different effect. Um, so that's, I follow that idea. And then it makes sense to me that you have civilization emerging in, in Egypt along the Nile River. As the Sahara starts to dry out, everyone has to start practicing agriculture because there's no more you know, vast expanse of pastoral land. So you go to the rivers, you start agriculture, and you start this process of civilization. And then it kind of spreads out from there into the Fertile Crescent. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, that's my vision of how human evolution happened. And then, you know, but it, there's no, there's no, like, I don't have detailed dates or times for the, this stuff. But what, I mean, that's just you, the kind of basic mm -hmm. way that I see it. What do you think, Aeon? And I want to get Thad into this as well. Welcome, Thad. Great yeah. to see you again. Uh, yes. When it comes to uh, the theory of someone who I would say is tangentially related to uh, uh, Dr. McKenna, who would be someone like Graham Hancock, for instance, or Randall Carlson, mm -hmm. if we're talking about the uh, supposed uh, impact around 11,000 years ago that would have decimated any advanced civilization, then you have all of these various structures that act like a giant cosmic calendar in pretty much any ancient civilization. And you have all of this uh, evidence of like Gobekli Tepe, for instance, you know, such a concentration of knowledge of uh, possibly astrology, if we're talking about how a lot of these things are aligned for people that were considered to be mere hunter-gatherers, as well as I think there are some, there is some evidence as far as like the oldest oldest fossils as far as like of modern man that are found in Europe right now. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But I, 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 it makes me wonder how far can we stretch back humanity and from where exactly did humanity originate? So I'm curious if you have uh, any thoughts on uh, that part of it as well. And uh, Thad, great to, uh, to have you on. Let us know as well. Any thoughts on the whole Graham Hancock hypothesis of ancient civilizations with surviving, you know, people kind of restarting civilization? So yeah, I actually, 
Yeah, go go for it, Ian. No, no, I was telling you go. Um, so, so it's tough. I, I listen. I do have a couple points I want to circle back on, specifically with textual references yeah. from BAP to race. Yes. Uh, in addition to his comments on the little-hatted people, because uh, I have something for each of you. So, for one, Lev, uh, one of the really interesting BAP excer excerpts is about how the creation of the state of Israel and Zionism was the most anti-Jewish thing that's ever happened in Semitic history. Mm. Uh, what's interesting about that is when he's describing it as one of these glorious Mannerbund Brotherhood uh, young men with arms conquering something. Um, and that then fundamentally his contention is that um, the culture of Judaism is fundamentally longhouse. It's governed by the, the stereotypical kind of Jewish mother. And that that is in like an archetypal spirit in the, the culture. That is at least his argument. Um, and then also contentions that um, Judaism has specific problems with pleasures of the body and the physical world. That's kind of a, a deeper point. But I, I, I lay that out there only to make the point that in what you might think of as a, like, you gave kind of a very one-dimensional, well, BAP says Jewish people can't make beautiful things. And it's like, well, BAP says a couple different things at a couple different points. One of them is that the creation of the state of Israel was fucking awesome. And he thinks it's like an, an, an epic thing that groups of young men did together in one of these kind of uh, spouts of ascendant light. Yeah. Uh, it's playing into the broader racial point. If you look at, let's take, uh, um, let's take BAP's points on, um, you know, cer certain types of black people chewing through their hands on slaving ships and throwing themselves into the water. His point there was that there are types of people, whether that is racial or individual, who cannot tolerate slavery. Um, and his point there, I, I, I draw that again as kind of contradictory statements because uh, BAP doesn't seem to have a, a consistent skin color or specific racial group uh, distinction that places things in like a, a conventional white nationalist hierarchy. What he contends is that you have like racism in the sense of there are many races. There's a lot of variety yeah. in that. And that there are, are interesting ways that you can read that through kind of his, his Nietzschean master race designations or certain tendencies, but like in the same way that he doesn't have a consistent line on, you know, quote unquote, black people, because that's actually too large of a category. Um, he makes, you know, all kinds of different statements about Ashkenazis versus like Caucasian Jews versus, uh, you know, sub-Saharan Africans versus, versus mm -hmm. like Southern Kalahari Africans. Like it's, it's this pretty complex thing. And I think that at the end of the day, and I, I realize I'm monologuing here, at the end of the day, his contention is that there isn't, uh, there isn't a single distinguishing variable that you can use to categorize people that is most interesting or compelling, and it's not race. So, like, he is much more interested in this kind of broader concept of the book, which is ascendant life. And while there might be, like, some, as, as a single variable, some, some facet of that that is racial, the broader point is that he's interested in a much larger concept that cannot be like reduced to simply that. So that's well, yeah, I got I got to do a reply to that, Geo. I got to reply to that. the best resource is probably his episode where he talks about von Brandenburg's, I think it was von Brandenburg's book about mm. um, how the ethnic character of the Tiny Hat people, where they sort of resent people like Bernie Sanders because they have the, uh, the Shtetl mindset and uh, the sort of like the more higher class. Wait, 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 wait. who resents Bernie Sanders? Hold on. Like the more higher class Ashkenazis uh, that are typically more socialistic, they're the ones who sort of um, want, wanted to avoid the ethnic character of like, you know, the typical hustler 
um, immigrant uh, Eskenazis that have come over, and mm. they're the ones who, like, they were the ones that went to the country club and so forth. This oh. is all, Bap is talking about the genealogy of the, mm. your people in America, how there's sort of, like, that ethnic tension even within the groups of different uh Tiny hat well, people. first off, if we're talking about uh, the tiny hats, you're never going to see more tension in terms of uh, within the group because, like I said that joke before, like what is a uh, you know like the the Jewish guy who wanted an island with two synagogues, one for him to pray in and the other one for him not to go into. So the idea being there is that there's always a high amount of tension within Jewish communities as opposed to who's right. Like, is it my rabbi? Is it your rabbi? Or even among like the secular Jewish people and the religious ones. Or you could go on and on. Although with Bernie Sanders, I would say that the reason why I'd say a lot of smart uh, Jewish people are against him is because Bernie Sanders is a self-hating Jew, as I think are all leftist Jews. But th besides that, what I would what I would say though to Thad's point, because I have to respond. Number one, I would say that you remember Aryan Cowboy, right? That. Okay, so, and by the way, Thad, you could unmute yourself. I think, Aeon, you have a bit of a problem with the sound. But, Thad, you remember Aryan Cowboy, right, from the Kaliak days? Uh, yes. Okay, so he told me once about this uh, dream that he had where he said it wasn't a dream, it was him going into the astral plane. And in the astral plane, he was able to see this one guy as a, um, as a tree stump, tree stump man. And that tree stump man saw him instead of looking as he looks as a moth and they ended up exchanging email addresses within the dream and then he said if you again believe his claim that he in the real world was able to send an email to this man remembering the email address and he got a reply back i mean that that story just to be it's amazing by itself but the reason why i say this is i think people look at different people like bap in a very particular way, a thought form starts to solidify, not based so much around the kind of qualities you're talking about, but I honestly think that a lot of people, when they read something about him liking certain things about Israel, they would either take that out of their head or they would say, well, nobody's perfect. Same thing, for example, with the uh, comic artist who does a lot of those like anti-Biden comics, uh, G-Prime. He did a comic where he was, uh, you know, on the side of Israel. And now every time his comic is posted on 4chan, any any comic of his, you're always going to get somebody there who's going to say, oh, fuck this well, guy. Well, yeah, that you know, was evidence likes, that BAP is a quote-unquote neocon likes, shell. No, but that's not um, BAP. That's I'm talking about G-Prime. I'm talking about the uh, comic fuck, artist. Holy fuck, he said it looks like a giga chad. Um, sorry, his camera. All right, no problem. See, so no okay, oh, so you, I missed just it for a brief second. Don't worry about there it. There we oh, go. There you go. Look at that. Perfect. See, look, listen, he is not a LARPer, he deserves to be a Bappian. Okay, look at this man right here. Yes, yes, that is the very handsome face. My it, it, it is indeed something to consider. Something to consider in a room full of people of various class, classes, abilities, races. You think BAP would gather with the white people or the chads? That's my point about this whole thing, is that this isn't a matter of, like, ascendant life might have a racial component, but the idea that it's, like, a primarily racial thing, to me, is... is, is but I'm but see, I'm not yeah. even talking it's about not. BAP. You're Hold talking on. about... Let me, let me, okay, go go for it. Yeah, let me just get in on this really quick. Yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely agree. He would side with the chads, and he wouldn't pick the, the race thing. And that's why, to me, it's bizarre how much he focuses on race. That's, that is to me, and this whole circle, it's bizarre that they focus that much on race. Uh, 
because it's it's so harmful to your public image. And I mean, well, to our public image, because I mean, I do consider myself to be a traditionalist, just in a little bit of a different way than most people. Um, you know, so it, it harms the public image of uh, conservative and traditional values in a, in a very bad way. So that's that's the only reason that I have this critique is because you're putting, you know, he's creating this illusion, this mystique on the hall of mirrors that is, you know, Twitter.com. And he's putting out this public image of a violent, aggressive racist that is unapologetic about it. And that image does not help educate uh, new, I mean, frankly, you have to educate normies. If you want your, if you want to have a, some kind of a, a political influence or popularity, you have to bring in new people into the fold. And you're, it's just needlessly isolating uh, so many people who might start to see the light if you didn't frame everything as if it was a racial problem, as if, um, you know, it, it, it's the, the, I think the intellectual frame of the whole right wing is just, is just super broken. Unless unless the, the people are religious are fundamentally religious. I don't even, kinda... I don't even know if it's up to them, though. I think that the big problem here is that, like I said before, with that example of the uh, dream that uh, cowboy had, people would grab on to a thought form of a person as opposed to the person themselves, where they, I think, would completely uh, get out of their heads anything that they would disagree with BAP about, and they would only put in the things that they agree with him about, which is why I think that this whole movement or whatever the hell we want to call it is bigger than anything that BAP would say or any of the finer points, which for people who yes. actually think for a living would be able to be digested properly. Yeah, but, but for but most people, they don't think argument. they, that's the problem. I think that in, in some ways it's, you're never going to get anywhere. I mean, optics goes to a certain point. I mean, I think that I don't think BAP is like saying, go in a, I don't know, like some kind of turn yeah. diary fantasy, but I do think that after a certain point, the sort of optics argument isn't going to work because they're just going to label you a racist anyways. I don't know. It's kind of, but, well, and so but that's different. the thing. If you're really not, then you can you can you can push back and you can say, no, I'm really not. You know, mm. I mean, and it's not that hard to not be like, you know, somehow hatefully racist. It's really not that hard. And it's not that hard. Yeah, to but a lot of his fans would say it. that's it cringe. Like, it just comes down to like, that's just like your opinion, man. Like if I, if I was to show. So, the, the, for example, like the idea that he is projecting a specific sort of like racist antagonism. I think that's entirely in your mind. And if you were to show no way. his feed to the average person, it's a lot of funny stuff. It's um, definitely, I, I don't think homoerotic, but androphilic stuff. And uh, <laughs> sure. I have a better word for that. Grecoactive. Yeah, that's my favorite word. Grecoactive. Actually, I've been meaning to hold, which is uh, the, the back gay question. Cause I have friends <laughs> on both sides. Um, but, but to that point, is it, is it explicitly or, or, you know, can you reduce him to a Richard Spencer type? Absolutely not. And like, no, the only time that you can do that is when you're, you're writing, you're reading articles written about like Bronze Age mindset by people who assume that you didn't try to read by Hazoni or, or whoever. But, but that let's yeah. assume, let's assume that's the thing. he have... makes it easy for them to do it. He makes it easy for them to do it. Mm. That's the, that's okay, the problem. But no, but okay, let's says, like, no, but Babs says okay. Epsler's all the time and he calls it the Epsler world order. Does that, 
But then people accuse him of being gay, so I don't know. It's like okay. For example, <laughs> let's say I mean, let's say you have th that. Right, for example, right. let's say you have a press conference. Hold on, one second, one second. Before we get to the before we get the... to the fancy philosophy, let's say right. for example, yeah, come on, you're that, over let's say for example, geo harassment. Hashtag geo harassment. Let's say for example, you have a conference, press conference. BAP comes on and says that I want to distance myself from any uh, you know idea of you know like this uh, racism. That's going around my circle. Most people are going to say cringe, right. cringe. Like, I don't think that BAP or anybody in his position has that much capability of straying away from more of this kind of, uh, you know, ethereal movement that's going on in people's minds. I think it's bigger than he, than him, and I think it's bigger than a lot of people on the E right. I don't think there's any getting rid of that. This is, this is where the fire of Aeon comes in handy because that's when you can start forcing and applying political um, leverage to get what you want out of the people that you've gathered together. I mean, the thing is, it's like, you know, he, he, he like, like I said to ZHP earlier, uh, this whole circle is so much more powerful than you, than you realize and you just hamstring yourselves constantly. Uh, and you make it easy for the mainstream media to smear you and you make it easy uh, for... I mean, you just make it easy to, to look like villains. And it's part of this whole buying into the media narrative thing. You know, Hillary says we're deplorables. Everyone says yes. It's like, no, you know, if we're truly traditionalists and conservatives, we are the moral authority. We are the moral authority. And that's the bottom line. And it's about seizing that, uh, that opportunity to become the moral authority. And if you're going to be, you know, be degenerate, you won't be able to credibly seize that opportunity. So that's that's just the bottom line kind of critique mm. that I have. But, you know, anybody else can talk. So. There is also a good comment from King Salmonfish, I wanted to say. He says, no, then you are playing on their terms defensively late to the game instead of constantly apologizing nope. and saying you aren't racist. Just live your life and be like, I've heard it, bruh. I don't know. I think that there is a balance here where there is a way to get your point across about things that, uh, let's say, like Thad said, you know, Thad is saying that uh, BAP is not this person they're making him out to be. I think that there is a way of getting that across without being cringe and without having to apologize. It's just harder yes. because it's not it's not a binary thing, I think. It's not where, where you say, like, oh, I, yep. you know, I must say it in this very pathetic way to the people. I think that there is a good way of going about it where just it, it gets a little bit clearer. I don't know, Thad, what do you think? Well, I mean, so so does Bat more often comment? And same thing, let's say like Second City Bureaucrat, not to lump them, but are the comments on race between those two figures more a matter of like vitriol or humor? Because I want to say nine times out of 10, they're funny jokes. And maybe they're jokes about, you know, black people being 13% yes. of the population and committing 56% of murders. But they tend to be jokes. And for the most part, um, you have the way that it enters the material is not as like a primary pillar and not as a policy thing. It tends to be as a joke. And what humor is, is remarking on something that is in plain sight that people recognize to be true. They realize that it's true and that nobody says that. And it is therefore, it, it is funny. It's how like humor works. Uh, so I see it as a, I as, get a it. I get of, it. as a point of humor, but like there, I mean, and there, BAP himself is locking, lacking policy prescriptions generally. You know, like it's not like yes. he has much like yes. So, so to say that A, he has policy prescriptions and then B, that they are racial is just such a stretch. Uh, I see this as so the whole reason. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying he influences the people. He influences a lot of people on the right. He does. Um, and, he, and he pushes the Overton window in a certain direction. 
And I don't know necessarily that's a beneficial direction uh, for for any kind of dissident politics, because I mean, really having the moral authority is very important when it comes to uh, having a minority political view. Um, if you want it to gain any popularity or traction. Oh, am I frozen? No, oh, no, sorry. I, I hear thought you. I was frozen. No, yeah, no. yeah. No, I want, just, if you want I just to gain at the same time, I think BAP himself, like the very start of Bronzy's mindset, is that again, echoing Nietzsche is this is a book for few and a book for none, but then a book for everybody. Sure. I think that he doesn't really particularly does he say sometimes on his podcast that he wants a mass movement? Yeah, of course. Is he yeah. developing into a movement? Yes. But I think that in terms of his actual thought, to me, BAP is much more of a, uh, an ancient form of an artist philosopher than, than someone who is like, oh, I'm not going to name names. I'm getting in trouble in the chat for naming names. But you know other people that claim to be leaders of movements. Mm. Yeah. What I'm trying they to claim say. to be reading a certain, certain Ebola books? Or, oh, or are you talking about? Oh, okay. Oh, I'm talking about him. Yeah, also, it's... it's funny how the guy I'm talking about. I call it an art But movement. also the other guy, uh, the, the the kid, the boy, hates <laughs> hates that guy as well. They hate each other. There's actually this video where Spencer's freaking out on, uh... oh, uh, shit, I yes. said his name. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why Richard Spencer hates Nick Fuentes so much. I don't know. That's no. Anyways, yeah, I don't know. Let's, yeah, let's maybe may, maybe he rebuffed his. Okay, I'm not gonna get into. It. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> oh. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, well, so well, I don't think I'm, I want to be clear. I don't think that Bap is like intentionally trying to create some political program. He does allude to it every once in a while, like he wants to, but then he takes it back. Like, no, let's just be funny and let's make fun of things. I don't know if that's just his natural like indecisiveness or his uh, uh, inability to make any kind of constructive plans that are credible and that aren't going to get him, you know, targeted by Interpol or whatever. You know, it's it's possible to build a healthy legal um, political movement that doesn't harm people. That that gets votes and that gets political power. It's very possible to do this. And it's kind of happening right now with the Republican party. You know, a lot of people are getting fed up with what they're seeing come from the democratic party. And this, we have an incredible opportunity to uh, get conservatives into power in the United States. And the, the only thing that's hamstringing us is this rhetoric that's happening online. That's really quite frankly, it's done by a couple thousand people and you guys are the boogeymen and you have the power to not be that. And you have the power to, uh, to basically make all of these accusations of racism just f totally fall on deaf ears and have no impact or effect, you know, but, and, but you also have the power to, to totally demonize any kind of traditionalist uh, political movement. So, you know, even if it's jokes, I think it's inappropriate uh, at this time in the nation's history. I think that, I think that there is a lack of uh, sacredness and reverence in a lot of the right wingers um, and a lack of appreciation for, the, the, the stakes and the consequences of the current uh, struggle that, that our country is in right now. And so that's kind of a big part of my critique too, is that BAP uh, puts humor, I think, too high on his list of priorities. Uh, there, are, there are more significant priorities than, than humor, I think, uh, in, well, I mean, in this time. But So to the, to the point that like, um, you, can't, you, can't have you, can, crazy, I mean, you can't have crazy girl sex without a crazy girl, you know? Like, you can't be like, well, no, no, no. We want these parts that are compelling, but but could we not could we not be fun? You know what I mean? There, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Girl, sex. The girl has to be fucking crazy. Um, and, right. And there isn't like a need to separate these things uh, when we really think about like 
political, you know, Babs not trying to be a political leader. He he talks about his show as comedy. Uh, he wouldn't have a compelling hundred episodes with thousands of people listening to it. Um, if he took yeah. like a, like a fucking national review line, like, like <laughs> you know, and this also gets the problem, this gets the issue, you know, Michael Savage talks about this, but the, um, the issue that normie conservatism is just progressivism driving the speed limit. And it's just, you know, it's lagging by 15 or 20 years. It's, it's defanged, it's sanitized. And to some degree, they want you into like the, the neocon Dan Crenshaw types who are just progressives minus about 15 years. Yeah. I, right. and, and, you know, this gets into another problem, which I, I am averse to the, the purity spiraling that occurs on the right, especially. But the sure. question becomes, can you have the fun, edgy, countercultural, punk rock, dissident conservatism without a few racist pepes? And um, it's, it's a <laughs> you can choose your own. You can fucking choose your own brand of it. Um, I don't lean right. too hard on the racist side. I, I just don't find it to be the most compelling point. I'm partially judgmental of people and race is like maybe like one uh, little bit of what I might like analyze with a person. But for the most part, I'm thinking more like, hmm. uh, yeah. Again, before I white forget people versus Chad's question, white people versus Chad. I, yeah. I, yeah before, before I forget, by the way, that to answer the other thing that you were talking about, at least I could say from uh, my family history, my great grandma had this uh, husband that married her when she was like 15 or something like great 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 grandma i don't know just like way way far away who was you know like this very conservative jewish uh, dude you know like very old school and you know he used to beat her and you know do you know very you know very strict guy so when it came to like this idea of the matriarchy having kind of an effect there i think that's more of a result of uh, urban living as opposed to anything that at least in, in terms of my history went on uh, back then another thing that i would add is there may be a certain aspect of there being this embrace of uh, this fire when you kind of go out of the religion itself but i would say that that is with any jewish diaspora when it comes to moving into any kind of field whether it's science art whatever as soon as you're out of the religious side when you're free to explore different things. And again, some of them are going to be like Hollywood and pornography and things of that nature, just like the hospitals and the chess playing. What I think happens there is this inner fire builds up where even if you get like the nebbish nerds, you also end up getting, for example, during the second world war, there were multiple examples of these, you know, very clerk like Jewish uh, soldiers who volunteered for the war effort who were the ones who went into the enemy lines. So they had some of the most dangerous jobs they volunteered for where they knew that it was likely like 90% they were going to die. And they ended up going in there and doing that job. And you even have like some, you probably know who I'm talking about, like this Chad Jewish dude who I think was in the USSR and then he came to Israel. What is his name? He has a weird sounding name. I'm trying to remember. But he was like one of the most gung-ho powerful. Which one? Let me me remember what the name is unless you guys know who I'm talking about. No, Do you remember him? No. Okay, I'm going to look him up. Well, but anyway, no, I, that's that. That's I what I kind of wanted to. I, I appreciate you defending the honor of the small hats. I I, I don't I don't disagree with you. So <laughs> yes, I, I firmly believe there are chads of all races. I, I kind of think in like my Brazilian jiu-jitsu world where it's like, is this person easy to kill? Can I strangle them? Uh, have they fucking worked for years to be hard to to strangle? And like, are they 
I have just different, yeah. And so I actually train yeah. with guys from the Israeli national judo team that are fucking beasts. And I've, I've been to Israel, I've trained there, and like, um, yeah, you get into combat sports, you go train around, you, you, uh, again, changes your perspective on how to mm. rank human beings. But but the, but, the, but the I, reason I why I'm, that... but the reason why I'm mentioning it though, just so I'm clear, is that there, that huh? is a one second. I gotta <laughs> reply to that, and then geo, no more geo harassment. I pinky swear. So. Well, Nolis brings up a good point in the yes, chat. That's yes, yes. When, to... when it when it comes to whether it's a question of uh, race in this case, I think not because that is an example of a religion where people acted a certain way. Still, I'd argue that there was still not this matriarchy. But once you go out of the religion, kind of all bets are off, and it's way more the culture than anything having to do with genetics that ends up affecting you. So that's that's just my two cents on that. But Gio, go ahead. Um, I I just. Well, Nolis has a great point in the chat um, about racism, quote, quote unquote, is a movement target weaponizing against us. There's no way to avoid it. By the way, we have to have Nolis one time. He's a great uh, foreign policy guy. Uh, also, I want to, now that I remember it, a good friend of mine uh, who is the co-host with Nolis, uh, Donald Kempt of American Zarathustra. Um, I want to send power and prayers to my good friend because his mother recently passed mm. away. And I hope he's doing well. I, 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 now that I remember, I have to DM him. But I think that racism as a discourse, I, it's very painful for me to admit this as a Foucaultian, but it, a lot of it comes from particularly Foucault's book, Society Must Be Defended, where he talks about how racism was a quote-unquote modern invention that was used to sort of ensure a, a particular form of power knowledge in Anglo-American society. Uh, but I think that, of course, that thesis is deeply flawed and wrong. But uh, what I wanted to ask is um, to Thad in particular, to Tia Senate. Uh, sorry, I'm getting confused with Thad Kaczynski. Whatever happened to Thad Kaczynski? I wonder if he's I know, still. But yeah, I, I went by like I, I just go by T now, but I went by Thad yeah. for a while. He is mm. the real, the real like like the honorary. If somebody gets to own the name, he's like Thad. Yeah. Oh mm. yeah. That's by oh, the yeah. way, and by the way, I know I've been lagging, but I am incorporating your workout system. And yeah, it's uh, it's been it? really good. Whoa. My oh, only yeah. my only problem is when you're combining the uh, deadlift on the same day as the squat. That seems to be too much all at once, and I still don't have a good support mechanism for the squat yet. So that's the and one the, thing that I'm going to figure short out. Short answer on that is a lot of people will add their deadlift to their back day because it's posterior chain. You can talk about that. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, no problem. I, no. I, I'd love to hear that you've been using it. I. Uh, for people, I, I don't sell shit. I don't monetize in any way, but I um, have spreadsheeted out and written out significant stuff on fitness. It's a, it's it's I quite said, an amazing I program. Lev, here you go, and he's been doing it. That's, yeah, that's a year ago, dude. Oh, do you do you know if because uh, right now I have one of those bubbly things? Do you know if all carbonated water has the same benefit as San Pellegrino, or is it just specifically the minerals within San Pellegrino that has the? Yeah, I wonder. Largely speculative. Um, what you really want to avoid is artificial. Um, artificial flavoring in a lot of those are bad. Um, I don't use anything but in plastic. Um, mm. But the the amount of actual trace minerals that you're going to get through something like a San Pellegrino, negligible, negligible at best. Yeah, because I know some bodybuilders they do swear by it, but I wonder if there's actually a real benefit to. Well, it's also it's also a way to let people know that you're not a poor person, um, and that, <laughs> that was very. Important. That's very oh, true. That's what it is. Yeah. Rocking that in the gym. Oh, oh, oh final question. Beetroot powder, for or against? I would say four, but like you want to stack it. You want to like mix in 
raw citrulline. There isn't, you have to consume a lot of pure beetroot powder to get the desired nitric oxide effect. If you add a bunch of citrulline to it, that's better. Um, big picture, it's good. But again, this is one of those things where you need to consume like five or 10 grams for an effective dose. So, mm. I mean, if you want to slonk like a lot of gnarly tasting beet water, which I've done, sure, go for it. I've actually felt a very big effect from just uh, two pills, like when I took them and put them into the uh, uh, the drink mix. Anyway, never mind. We're going to talk Look about that Lisa later. Boat. I need the stamina of Geozang. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, here's the secret. Um, a lot of fat people have weak ankles now because of Cushing syndrome which I have unfortunately managed to avoid. I have a very even distribution of my fat. Uh, so I have very powerful legs. But I wanted to actually ask Ascendant in the, after the chat about uh, advice. Yeah, if you're but around with Ascendant after, after the chat, I would love to also show you like what I have right now on my phone, like the, yeah. the thing. Okay. For anyway. example, people have talked about nickel avocado. Not nickel or salad. <laughs> uh, avocado, avocado. Imagine those the two on a podcast. Why, the reason why his lungs are, uh, his ribs are cracking and his ankles are fucking shot, is you can't humanly possibly take on that amount of weight in a short amount of time. Now, I have been cursed with bad genes and my own probably behavioral problems uh, post-legs, Geo. Well, I mean, that's probably the biggest problem is that when you gain a huge amount of weight in a very short period of time, your body is just going to be destroyed. Uh, but I'm banking on when I do lose weight that I, because my body's been, uh, you know, carrying so much of it, that when I do drop a significant amount, I'm probably going to feel amazing. But, you know what uh, you well, should do? You should, you should take all that fat, you should convert it into soap and sell it on BTR, like the Patreon. Well, so, and it's going to say Fight Club on it, probably. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, what Club. I wanted, getting back to the chat, not the chat, um, getting back to the conversation, I wanted to ask, um, Ascendant, this sort of, we were talking about politics a bit in the Republican Party, the criticism that people have of that is that he's basically saying um, this was around the election. He's like, well, he's just like another Republican that wants us to get the more esoteric reason to vote for the Republican. Right. And that he's yeah. sort of like the warmonger and uh, yeah. he's, he's a teal funded, the, 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 the teal funded accusation. Yeah. The, uh, yes. A yes. Us, the a bunch teal. of us as a joke actually made our banners on Twitter uh, a Palantir logo. <laughs> like and it was kind of right, like, yes you'd go to a bunch of our a bunch of our profiles kind of guys in the bap sphere and you'd have the palantir logo like yeah teal bucks oh, i got yeah i got my feel bucks wired to me just before i came on here i don't know what you're talking I had some about rubles wired to, me to do that little bit in the intro oh yeah you did there you go yeah yeah um no but i think do you think that there is sort of a substantial criticism though in that what BAP is preaching is no different than I think just normie, not normie Republicanism, but sort of like a more edgier version of like conservative politics and that he is sure. not um, preaching a total like overthrow of uh, like, he's not like going all the way out there to fed post. In other words, right. that he is saying he's like not. Donald Trump is a set of power. And, yeah. It's just the, the, it's the ideological underpinnings that I think create some mistakes. One of those underpinnings, again, we talked about this earlier, we can kind of get back to it a little bit, is the idea that European civilization is the center of the world. It's, uh, I just don't think it's necessarily credible. What um, is? Uh, the Fertile Crescent, the, basically uh, the area of Israel, Lebanon, Iraq, um, Syria, Jordan, uh, into Egypt. Uh, that, is, that is kind of the, the mm. that was the breadbasket of the ancient world probably has climatological reasons because it was further south than the rest of Europe. Um, Europe, some people say Europe might have been kind of frozen over at different mm -hmm. periods. Is it, um, is it reasonable to argue, so within the Fertile Crescent region, is it reasonable to argue that 
the fact that it like a, a Levantine religion, Christianity, is basically the the the, the basis for the West, like the, the ideological basis for the West, wouldn't that be yes. fine? Yeah. So mm. European culture, I mean, Bap does not distinguish European culture terribly from kind of Christian European culture. He sees it as kind of one mm. continuous arc. And and um, not just I, Christian. I don't, I don't yeah. think I don't think that the, the distinction between Europe Europe is the center of history and uh the Levant is the center of history is actually a significant one. That's, mm. And if we're talking it is, about because also, this uh, is it, where mm. most of our culture comes from, it's, it's, it is a significant one because by studying the cultures of the Middle East, you actually get a better understanding of what generated European civilization and colonial American civilization as well. Mm. So I think it, it does matter as a matter of history. I, I think it does. Uh, but, but as far as and, the culture goes, though, how different, let's say, would the culture be? I mean, not in terms of, you know, obviously they had slavery back then and that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. how different would it be in terms of ancient Greece back then and uh, Persia back then? When we had somebody like Heraclitus, who is traditionally known as an ancient Greek philosopher, who was nonetheless living inside of Persia. It seems like a lot yeah. of these cultures back then, they had the same, you know, very similar thing going on as far as the value system and that value system then ended up going in Europe, which let's face it at the time, like I'm remembering those, you know, pictures like the blonde, you know, my ancestor people at the time you did have, I mean, even Adolf Hitler said so you had like the Germanics living in the, uh, you know, in the little, little tents there. And I'm not saying they may not have lived this lifestyle that they liked. That wasn't really where we got all the intellectual um, thought. All of that did end up coming from more of these, uh, these areas around the Levant and uh, Persia and uh, Greek, yeah. uh, Greeks. But 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 I think it's almost a yeah. straw man to say that Bap's understanding is that is that there is a geographic component to the center of history, whereas like right. the first third of his book is about how uh, emergent life and ascendant life is a biological phenomenon, and like mass becoming a master race, master civilizations, um, progress. Like these are all biological and like like matters of endocrinology and things like that, which which just it's not, you know, he's not making the argument that we should have kind of a linear historical, um, I want to say cultural lineage argument for Western civilization. But it's just, you know, how you want to categorize it. Like his doesn't doesn't read like a traditional school of historical interpretation in that way. Well, he's. I think he's doing essentially the same things that Nietzsche does in terms of genealogy, where he's taking huge swaths of history that are sort of like connected here and there it, tangentially and maybe in terms of like the actual like you know um look we'll actually look at the data historian work like historian or ethnology right. work he's like sort of yes, ignoring yes. the nitty-gritty of it to do it it's a pastiche yeah and it's an art piece sorry i, I that's just fine to throw uh, that in there really good. yeah uh, what do you yeah, I, I see it that way i see it that way yeah so uh, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you Gio. go ahead no, no, I'm saying that's an interesting way of looking at it as an art piece. But I yeah, just, I, yeah. I wanted to ask, like, could there be a viable, like, I mean, there's been articles, for example, the American Sun that touch upon this, but like, uh, we, we want to get to like baptism and Christianity, but also, it, could there be a viable politics of the Bronze Age mindset? Is there something there that is different than just the normal sort of order of things in terms of right wing politics in general? Does BAP offer something that is a, a, a a greater flavor to them that is an action-oriented politics. That's something 
I guess you would point to figures like Mishima or or Younger and so forth to give you a model of that. But I think like is BAP trying to create a politics of the right wing in the 21st century because the conditions of Younger and Mishima are totally different than our conditions, right? So, so, so yeah, uh, right. Gio, to that point, the key, and this actually circles back as well to Lev's question, you go. which is how does BAP differentiate, uh, how do you differentiate BAP or BAPism from the normie conservative movement and why do they have the same political ends? And, and what I like to point out is the, uh, the key point of friction or ongoing um, disagreement between different parts of the sphere, between what I want to call more like the, <laughs> the, the single striver BAPist 20-year-olds and the what I want to call fam cells, like FAM, like family cells, like the guys who are homesteaders, going to go have three kids, going to find the trad wife, move up. Midwestern trad dad. And there's the yeah, the Midwestern trad dad who is blasting pest at 36 and fucking working out in his garage and loves bath. Those are very <laughs> different versus like the Miami crypto striver who likes yeah. bath. Those are yeah. different worlds. Right. Um, right. And like I like existing between those worlds. I'm not. I I'm a single guy in my twenties. Like I, I don't have a family. Um, though I aspire to the fam cell side, there is that distinction. And actually there's disagreement within the BAP space because BAP at the end of the day does not say the solution here, because this is what trad normie conservatives and libertarians all say is like the goal, the solution to all of this shit out there is find the woman fucking get land, be off the grid, raise five, 11 kids. And like, that's the dream, bro. And like, um, BAP does not say that that is the solution or the plan. And he kind of has a, it written off as like, well, for some people to whom this might be satisfying, that is like what you should do. But, and, and also, yeah. it also aligns closely because those yeah. people are often very strongly Christian. So it's kind of the Christian fam cell route. And though BAP is like, yeah, thumbs up. We're all on the same size. That's not his, that's not his call to action. And so I think that's important to distinguish because were he just a normie con that was pushing for like the traditional Republican be Blake masters with four like beautiful children and a wife and you yeah. know, right. become six, right. four. like, um, you know, for a lot of yeah. people, it's, uh, it's not attainable. Well, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. The history of it as well. I think before we get Aon, uh, I want to get Aon's opinion on this, but let, just really quick. The history is that when you look to the milieu that BAP comes from and where Twitter, uh, Frog Twitter comes from with salad yeah. forums and so forth, I remember being in those group chats back in the day with uh, Thermometer Magazine and Social Matter where we distinctly had this thing against, we actually had articles called Against the Trad Dads and there was this big thing between our editor and uh, Nick B. Steves. Um, I wonder what Nick is doing right now. Um, where it was like, you know, the Midwest trad dad as the model of politics, the sort of um, Ross Douthat Benedict option, as opposed to what BAP was preaching or what other elements of Frog Twitter were preaching. So that was sort of the history in the milieu. But yeah, go go ahead, Aon, go ahead. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, right. Um, it, there's not really much I disagree with there that I can think of. Um, but... I, um, so as far as the, the trad dad kind of division, I mean, yeah, so he, so yeah, BAP's thing is an exhortation and I get that, but I think, um, I think he's missing an opportunity, quite frankly. I think he's missing an opportunity to do something more. Um, and, you know, and it, it, I mean, who knows what the future holds, you know, maybe, maybe he'll seize it, at, you know, and, and take it and run with it. Um, but but there's there's an opportunity to kind of rebrand the conservative party at, in this kind of chaos right now um, to being something that is um, 
that is less uh, divisive in some capacity. And I mean, really just along racial lines, I mean, I'm not asking it like the woman question or whatever, you know, I mean, I get like that. That's yeah. So that's not, I mean, that's probably not going to change, but I mean, the racial thing, I think I feel like it's really easy to, to just change a little bit of how you say things. You don't even have to like, like Lev said, you don't have to do a public apology or anything. Just think about how you're posting and how you're going to get smeared over it. I mean, yeah, it's a defensive stance, but it's mm. not unintelligent to take a defensive mm. stance when you're under assault. I mean, it's just that it's just not. Uh, but also, but, idea. but also, let me ask you guys this: Do you think that there is some middle between, let's say, the normie favorable conservative ink people and people who are on BAP's team? You know, more of the uh, reactionary right. Would you say there is anything in the middle where I don't know? Like, is there? Yeah, I do. Okay, yeah, well, what do you think I it do. is? Well, uh, so one there's a couple examples in the Midwest that are very interesting. Um, there's the Farmer Labor Coalition, uh, which which basically is a very interesting history. If you look at the history of North Dakota and Minnesota, you can learn about the Nonpartisan League and the, uh, the Farmer Labor Coalition. It was a successful third party uh, that kind of emerged in the 1920s. And it was basically it started out in North Dakota as a bunch of farmers who just all got together and they were organized by this socialist guy. But what they ended up doing is they infiltrated the Republican party and took over the Republican party from the inside using these kind of socialist tactics and uh, ended up creating uh, a state bank to this day. North Dakota is the only state in the United States that has a state bank. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, so they imp implemented a lot of socialist policies as conservative farmers, uh, you know, property owning conservative farmers. So it's if you're looking for a middle ground movement in American history to look at, that's one is the is the uh, the Farmer Labor Coalition of North Dakota. Uh, sorry, the, the Nonpartisan League of North Dakota and the Farmer Labor Coalition mm -hmm. of Minnesota, which came about 10 years after they did all this stuff in, in North Dakota. So that's a third party movement. And the Rust Belt has lots of this kind of intermediary half socialist, half Republican stuff going on. I mean, places like Milwaukee uh, were very socialist in in their in their governmental structure, but when it came to policy and family values, they were very you know conservative and traditional. Um, and this is all over the Midwest. It's something about it's something about the Great Lakes area and the, what I call the Rust Belt and what a lot of people call the Rust Belt. This was a highly like industrialized uh, area, and the people who are part of this, there was a kind of socializing uh, impulse throughout Wisconsin, Michigan, and other parts of the kind of Midwest here. And, and so that's part of the, the political heritage and legacy. A lot of people say that the left is all, is all bad, it's all satanic. Well, there, it, if you go back and you look at American history, particularly in the Midwest, you'll find that there are some very interesting uh, things that happened with, with uh, kind of socialist organizations that organized workers and you know did strikes. Uh, Minneapolis had a, had a really brutal uh, trucker strike in, in the 1930s. Um, and, and that this was organized by literally by literal people who are affiliated with the Communist Party. They were kind of in charge of organizing it. And um, this all happened kind of under an administration of the Farmer Labor Coalition. It's just there's so there's all kinds of very interesting refined politics, especially in the Midwest, where you can find these examples. Zero yeah. HP, oh. by the way, says communist full mask off. No, 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 no. 
I mean, again, that's, again that's, as being, that's, as being so somebody are you, from... Aeon, are you a socialist of the nationalistic variety, then? Yeah, I would not say so, but... Uh, um, um, I mean, yeah. well, that's... No, I mean, again, like, as, as being somebody of the USSR, uh, I read this book called, uh, what was it, uh, The Red Decade by Eugene Lyons. Are any of you guys familiar with that book? Oh, they were I talking think I've about, heard of that book. They were talking about how during the 30s, especially Stalinism took over all the socialist <laughs> elements of the United States. If we're talking about all the intelligentsia, you had to be a Stalinist. If you weren't a Stalinist, then you were considered to be, what were they called, a, a social fascist. That's what they called all the socialists who were not Stalinists. So but it, right. but I, would crazy, be very caref- I, would... I would be very careful when it comes to communistic elements, not to say that there shouldn't be you know, workers' rights and uh, people being able to vouch on behalf of that uh, of that important thing but it's very tricky especially when you get to unions and the mafia-like nature of some unions i think that may have uh, played a role in terms of cities like detroit which i still see as being a very corrupt place like people who are saying like oh i'm like tim Dillon. i remember said that oh people think i'm left wing because i'm saying about the problems in detroit it's like dude the problems in detroit i think were because of the left wingness of a lot of the things that were going on there before but anyway not to dwell I think it's very interesting, like I, yeah. how, how BAP does have sort of a deference for the American experiment as opposed to other people on the far right. Mm. I mean, he does have this sort of um, deference towards this, let's say, the great men of history in terms of American, the founding fathers, for instance. Um, and I know, so, but sorry, Tia Senna, you have you have a point that you wanted to. Well, yeah, just to the point, and I think this comes to, uh, you know, you're talking about very real and practical political solutions and agendas, which um, BAP doesn't really seem to profess. And I think kind of going to the, the FAMCEL versus Young Striver, like BAPian demographic distinction, one of the things that's important to realize is that, uh, how do I explain? Nobody is saying you should be like BAP as an individual. And you have to realize in somebody's work, uh, a lot of the, the space, a lot of Twitter and stuff is people trying to tell you, hey, you should try to be like me. I'm better with women. I'm more Jack. Yes. I'm, handsome. I'm more yes. right. You <laughs> I'm try to be like me. That happened the other day, actually. Bap is <laughs> not saying that you should be like him, nor, sh- nor should you. Bap is, a, is right. a, an outlier autist who is perpetually traveling the world. He's, you know, don't want to get into his docs, but, you know, he's probably he's middle-aged and single and not a settled right. Christian family man or anything. And so there's, yep. there's tension there because there is no part of this movement that is, you should be like me. Uh, and yeah. I think that's important to realize because um, this is where you're not, nobody is asking that. Nobody is, should aspire to that, you know, to everybody listening. I think everybody, if you're vaguely interested in what's going on on the right with young people, read Bronze Age Mindset. I think yeah. everybody should do it. Mm. I yeah. think that's interesting. Even most- try to be like that. I'm going like- to go with no on that. I'm go find some other like mm. idol or somebody to, to live up but, to. But this also touches I'm on not, the culture. No, he's not an idol. I'm just, I, I worry about young kids who, who, who read this stuff and then they like, they kind of get sucked into the- Bro, I give you know, this book to young kids. I fucking give this book to a lot well, of you. That's good. No, I mean, there's good parts of it. Don't get me wrong. There's great parts of it. The one thing I worry about is like, you know, getting, you know, it's that destructive impulse. It's that, it's the lack of the religious character and the, and the lack of a willingness to build anything. That's that's what bothers me is like it's all about mockery and destruction. And I mean, it's and it's so influential. And that's the that's the that's the issue that I see. It's so influential and it carries such a, a gravity. What are you saying? Organizations in North Dakota from decades ago are 
fucking boring and not fun. And no, that way. is that is no, that is the no, big issue here. Because I was going to refine my question fair, that though. I asked you before and ask you not so much what realistic movement you would propose, but more about what cultural movement would you propose that would be in the middle between, let's no, say, the reactionary Bap, right and but yeah. BAP is a cultural movement. BAP is an aesthetic movement. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Listen. Go ahead. I get it. Yeah, that is aesthetic. Sun and steel. It's an entire. It's a cultural. Uh, character yeah. development, physical development. It's it's a way of embodying an ethic. Here's the thing that's distinguished from the North Dakota shit. It is a way of embodying an ethic that is not explicitly political. This is the part. Right. Of, if right. you start working out enough and trying to like improve yourself, you will eventually become right wing. And it's because it's implicit embodiment of ideals of strength and virtues that are traditional, without being like, well, I'm gonna go to my fucking regional republican convention and i'm, gonna, I'm like i'm gonna go like read <laughs> young republicans i'm gonna go meet charlie kirk yeah. in an event like fuck that and that's also the people who did that in your school in high school in college those were not the cool people those were not people who were ascendant life mm. those are actually personality based like journalist types mm. uh, yeah. so well, my point would be that's, that's my point. point though oh, oh sorry go ahead Ayo. no go no you're good you're good go ahead Gio. no yeah. i think like and I, i've gotten criticism from one particular one particular person in Finland. Nah, he's a. I, I don't feel oh. offended when people call me out. Oh, I know I'm, who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I think yeah. that I I struggle with one observation that Bap has when it and I do agree that he's a cultural and in a artistic. He's an aesthetic movement. Let's call it that. Yeah. My yeah, one sure. criticism is that Bap and I pointed this out in my recent essay on my Substack, uh, Geo's Content Corner on Substack where he talks about how the pinnacle of what he wants is a form of a recognition of a beauty that transcends time, that is metaphysical, but this beauty can only be integrated through the body and through physical action. Now, I, I agree that there has to be a sense of a holistic connection between the body, mind, spirit, and artistic pursuits, but I think that people who don't share within the sort of peak of physical excellence can still to an extent recognize on a metaphysical level and i know it's just fucking cope on my part look at me this is fucking cope on my part <laughs> no, no, but no they can, they can not, not after that's program we're both gonna get on it i think that you can recognize a sense of that from a purely metaphysical sense yeah but when it comes yeah. to the actualization i do think that it is very important that you have to have some aware and this is what bap is saying i think that you have to have some awareness of the body in order to achieve a level of excellence. Although there's you know, certain people criticize me is like, uh, like, but what am I going to do? I'm going to stop being an artist just because I, I don't, I look like jet. I mean, come on. It's like, that's kind right. of stupid, but I don't think BAP, right. I mean, for example, BAP has been very gracious to me in certain times. And I think that there has to be an, um, like, that's what I mean. I think that's what BAP is saying is that, we're so far removed from a picture of excellence in society that it's yeah. almost near impossible mm. to even talk about these issues nowadays when we have a, a, a society that is mm. in one end full of yeast people that just want to propagate and then the other end people that are just mindless consumers that have a hideous mm. uh, 
what does he call it? Um, the hideous cryptoids of my dirty and, and the zero that, HP says you, know. uh, you are going to make it. <laughs> that's a great well, I don't know about that, but um, yes, I do. I, I, I agree I, with. But that. I do think he does make too much of it, though. That's my criticism. He makes way too much of the whole physical mm. excellence thing. But but, but there uh, is still a problem with yeah. the physical not not with the physical excellence, not at all. Physical excellence that's a great part. But I can't help right, but feel right, right. I can't help but feel like history is repeating itself. Where I wonder if in the 1930s there wouldn't have been or late 1920s, let's say there. Oh, wouldn't here we go, been, love. Here yes, we go. you know. You know what I'm going to say, go. but it's like, it's such a simple thing to say, but it's still there. I can't divorce myself from that idea that there are still people out there. It's, it's intertwined. That's well, the like, best way that not, I can describe would it. Would you not admit though, and, and this is to Bap's point, would you, and, and here's the thing, I criticize Bap as well, but would you not admit that your particular cultural and genetic memory of your peoples leads you to that criticism? Would you not say? I don't think so, because I think that I look at history, and I study history, and I see the way it works. No, but would you it's, say that you're predisposed to certain conclusions about that history because of the collective trauma of your people? By conclusion, you mean I assume that's what's going to happen. I don't. No, what like I the, assume... the thing about like the, the worship what of I'm... beauty and the aesthetics of the body that leads inherently to fascism, which leads to ethnic exclusion and so forth. You're it saying I'm lead. saying that that thesis, you are predisposed to that because of the particularities of your cultural and genetic but my problem is that you're trying to be a, a, a ratio no, psycho wrong, you're trying to be a, a ratio psycho thing. yeah but you're trying to be a ratio psycho analyst while avoiding the subject itself which is well, i have no <laughs> i have no idea maybe, whether uh, or not right, this is the right. case or not i just think it's kind of the elephant in the room it's not something that i would want to avoid and my biggest problem is that people do end up avoiding i say don't avoid it let's confront the elephant in the room and not in a way to have Bap saying, oh, I'm sorry for Taya. No, no, none of that bullshit. But just let's confront, let's see what it is, and let's just plan it out as far as making sure that we don't end up in that situation. I, that's why I and do break the rules. ignoring your thesis by pointing that out by doing this sort of ethnic uh, psycho psychologizing. But I do think that there's flaws within that thesis. I think that most civilizations throughout human history have worshipped a form of bodily excellence, including in the East, where sure. there is certain, for example, the writings of Nagarjuna, there's certain aspects where if one but, were but to you're, body But you're ignoring the, that it's not just bodily excellence. Yeah. If you go to any 4chan thread, if you go to so many of these Twitter things, while I agree with that, a lot of it is humor, I do think that there are a lot of but people out there who take it. you're saying that the problem is it's it... fascist, Lev, that it's going to lead to, I don't know, the... Oh, well, it's fascist. It uh, some elements are fascist and some elements are anti-Jewish, and we have to be honest about that too. We have to be honest that th those elements are there, and there's nothing wrong with just saying that and figuring out how do we make sure that people are led in such a direction where they could work on the improvement of the inner fire, where they could get that going, but at the same time not make these stupid fucking mistakes that have been made time and time again in history. That's that's all I'm after here. I don't think that's a big ask. Yeah. But I maintain yeah. that Geo's art would be better if he lost weight, and your your super chats will be better if you lift more weights. And yes. like your ability to become <laughs> I agree. Oh, I'll show you the room. The gym, gym is back there. there. To become Go a magnetic in. individual, to become like ascendant life, there are things that you can do. It's a lifestyle, and it does not require that you go and vote. It does not require that you fucking follow Candace Owens on Instagram. Like I think the distinction between the political and the like yeah. the spiritual pursuit that leads people to implicitly right wing behavior is is important, and that's why that's why it's so um, it's so laughable that you have like Nat review people trying to analyze BAP as if it's some sort of political figure, whereas he's a cultural figure and kind of an artist and a weirdo, and we all mm -hmm. love him for it.
it. And his, you know, somebody was saying in the chat, and it's so true. Like, if you can't tell that he emanates being a good dude, you are just, <laughs> you already made up your mind or you're not paying attention. Um, well, I, so- I think it's true. I mean, if I, if I did just like the practicality of it, I think that um, if I were to lose weight, would my art improve? Yeah, that's probably, would it prove by a significant margin? Maybe not, because I think that one's artistic style is inborn within them in terms of what they pursue in the medium that they pursue. But I do think that... That's cope. (laughs) Well, we'll see. We'll see. I think that I maybe I, I could see where in terms of one's reorientation of being towards mm. the work of art could change well you, you draw like a, you, you draw take someone more, who loses right and you eat less that's already i think a good well no oh my god no but i think that there's <laughs> god damn i think that your reorientory reorientation towards the world it would probably change significantly for example a lot of artists they they are capable of uh i know hulbeck talks about being capable of walking great distances for a long period of time. The sort of, I, I fucking hate this word because I fucking hate grifty man, but let's call it the Lindy walk. Um, that if I were to able to Lindy walk more often mm. and longer then yes, my art, work of art would probably change mm. dramatically. I love this I, comment so, by the way, from we'll PCSS see. who says fat artists are better. Just like chefs, simple as uh, it. Well, it is true. Know. Like, like fat, fat chefs, like Tim Dillon says, a fat chef knows, you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, and by and by the way, Thad, I would also mention that I honestly think that it is the left wingers. It is a lot of these cringe people who are on the, uh, you know, who are part of the cathedral today. I would say they are the most responsible. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, for this uh, radicalization, for lack of a better word, and it's almost like if not for them, if not for that particular aspect, there would not be this kind of pushback that always seems to go in the same fucking direction. And, uh, yeah, that's the only thing that I, that's why I do the show. Like I said before, because I want people to go here and to air out all these things and speak with people that they otherwise would never have a chance to speak to. That's why Aeon's here today. That's why we had him with zero HP. And now you're here, which I'm very grateful for. And Gio with the Fez and, uh, you know, it all works out in the end. Well, no, I mean, I think, let me ask, um, there's this, there's this question that we sort of like teased from the beginning. Um, let's go to his Aeon and then Ascendant. What do you mean by BAP is a nihilist? What is that? Like, is there, like, do you mean like a sort of, um, a sort of cosmic nihilism? Or do you think that there is like a sense of like nihilistic abandon? Like, what do you mean by, because I know this is a common thing. This is like the, the classic meme since that, um, who's that guy that wrote in, uh, American Mind that called him a, uh, Nietzsche nihilist Thompson, um, whatever uh, the Thompson guy. Yeah. Yes, yes, Thompson. Bradley Thompson, that the guy that wrote like a, a fourteen part series on BAP. Is <laughs> that right? That's great. No, it was so bad, and it's it's you can't even get through. They're, they're so long, and BAP is just clowning him, like, like just making fun of the fact that he's <laughs> responding like like look at you, look at you. I'm I'm a shit poster on the internet. And right, you, right. as part of Conserva Inc., have written this this volumes on me. Yeah, that's right. quite that's fucking well, crazy, actually. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's funny. You know how I knew because when I was back in grad school a few years ago, more than a few years ago, um, my professor, who is actually a postmodernist, he was my supervisor. He went to Berkeley. He went to UCLA, and uh, he's like, "So you read Bronze Age minds?" I go, "Holy fuck!" Like, 
No kidding, huh? Like yeah. Red, I mean, I mean, he was a mutual of mine. Uh, so yeah, yeah, no kidding. No, like, the, like Bap is well known in academia, but people don't. Oh, yeah. Like in hushed voices, he is well known. In exactly. Academia. That's what I'm saying. He's extremely influential, and he says I'm just a shit poster, and that's part of his act, yeah. I think. But no, he's super influential, mm. and that's why well, when, when people are writing says, about his thought. It, it kind of reminds me also of John Stewart or Stephen Colbert, where they say, you know, they make a political statement in the form of a joke. And then when they get criticized, they, oh, I was just joking. Maybe there's a similar thing going on there, but for the next generation. So like right here, like when HP in the chat says, my favorite artist was a humble painter from Austria. He was not that. <laughs> that is fucking funny. <laughs> That's what I call him on Twitter too. The Austrian I'll get one, painter. I'll get one of that. Um, no, no, but I so like the it. Bapian nihilist thing. Let's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the nihilism. Yeah, let's get into. He it. actually let's, let's was a great. He was actually a good um, painter. If you look at his architectural work, he was good. But did, then did these he, people. Did he do the Disney fan fucking... art, or is that a, or, or is that a meme? No, no, that was uh, Thomas Kincaid, who is also the Hitler of the art world. Um, so. <laughs> No, but like people, they make this fucking stupid Reddit here. Oh, his lines of perspective didn't go right. I go, listen. Oh, I know. You, yeah. <laughs> every fucking Sorry. artist since the 19th century, from Daumier to Picasso to Prague to everyone, yeah. didn't have picture perfect lines of of uh, no, no. That's going that, into the that, focal that's point. A stu- that's a stupid critique on their that's part. That's retarded Reddit but, uh, tier critique. But, but at the same had. time, I don't think he would hold a candle to Egon Schiele, for example. You know, oh, there no, a... obviously not. Obviously not. Because Hitler, oh, fuck, we mentioned. Um, <laughs> he wasn't, he, he didn't have time to develop his style. He was very much an academic painter in some ways, or he was trying to be an academic painter. Mm. But I think that he would have resonated more with the German expressionists that came out of the 20s. He had some exposure to Otto Dix and other ones, but I think that he would consider that, like, again, degenerate art because a lot of them were caught in the lament of World War One in the 20s, Otto Dix in particular. I think Hitler had a very unfavorable view of German Expressionism, but I think that when you look into the nitty-gritty of German Expressionism, that, not to say that it was like, you know, base trad right wing, I think that there is a lot of critiques that the modern right wing shares that are in line with the German Expressionism. Anyway, sorry, and we keep, I cut, I cut you off. Oh, as soon good. as you talk about the Expressionists, I get lost. I like Go it, ahead. I like it, it's cool, it's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the whole the nihilist thing, I think is it's pretty. I think I think it's pretty self evident. You know, is 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 you know he the exhortation he gave recently on his on or at least one of his friends gave on one of his Twitter accounts was that um, you know that you know frogs should basically only mock, destroy, uh, tear down. That's the that's the the duty of the you know of the right side of Twitter, and I I just don't I think I just think that. Actually, you're probably capable of a lot more than that. I mean, BAP has university professors across the country reading his book, just even out of curiosity, because people are writing about it, writing articles. Um, You're probably capable of something uh, significantly more powerful and impactful than that. Uh, So that's that's and I just think that he just has this attitude that, you know, maybe that, you know, the kind of the global world order is totally undefeatable. Um, So he never investigates, you know. How could you potentially offer a different solution to it? Um, and that going at, starting from that nihilistic point of view, believing that it's impossible to defeat it, uh, you're never going to figure anything out. So that and so I do have a constructive kind of uh, view of things that it is possible to perform a legal political movement that 
uh, transfers power back into the hands of like the, just the ordinary uh, working class American people who who believe in the ideals of liberty and freedom. Uh, essentially, uh, Lomez did a great thread on this recently, uh, or a little comment on this. He said, um, the American religion uh, in the 60s was kind of like a, a civic nationalism. Um, and with uh, with JFK and a few other people. Um, I can't remember exactly what he said about it, but he he touched on this civic nationalism and uh, um, it's, it's very interesting. Or, or I think it was civic libertarianism maybe is what he called it. Uh, right. So it's, it's very, I think that idea is a very constructive possibility for the future of the online right, so to speak, because it's libertarian. It's not too, you know, stuffy like the GOP. Um, and I, I see a lot of opportunity for actually like, you know, building like really interesting uh, communities and networks of people who, you know, who who just don't get into the extreme stuff. And then you just take away the ability of the media to crucify you every day. You know, I just I, I think that's probably the smart way to go to go about it if you want popularity. So. Hmm. I, w I would add to that, that I think that there should be. I don't think that the extreme stuff could ever go away. I don't think you could have Pepe the Frog without yeah, all it's not the racist Pepe the Frog. No, but not even that. I think that this is this is what it is. It is something that exists, and there is a reason why people are attracted to it. No, they're pretty it. adamant on the I extreme think, stuff. And I think that there is also, <laughs> pardon pardon all the true believers you know, uh, who uh, think this, but I don't give a fuck. I think that there is a lowest common denominator pull in society where even if there are great virtues like reigniting the fire most people i think get the whatever scrap of smoke coming instead of any fire from looking at the things that they hate that's where they get most of their energy from and i don't think that's going to go away but what i think yeah. can happen is i think people should have conversations like this and then even the political sphere i think it should be both done where bap would be mentioned the kind of things he talks about would be mentioned but also all the you know uh any possible you know racist things and uh you know anti-jewish things those should also as the elephants in the room be mentioned by let's say the professional politi politicians and made to be understood that these are not elements that we would want to be included in the platform but these are the elements right. that we do want to include this is not the role of people like bap but this would be the role of people who would then try to do something in terms of uh politics where that there should be a distinguish yeah. distinguishment there no one but point what, yeah, just one quick point on that. You know, you, you look at the correspondences of the founders, right? George Washington, everybody in that era, you're not going to find like super charged, offensive statements. You're just not going to find that stuff. And you'll find even very little humor in some ways. Um, and that was the normal way of relating uh, during the colonial era. And there's not really anything wrong with that. And you know, they had very interesting conversations and, you know, they they built a nation. Um, and so I just that the, the, the one thing I wanted to add to what Love was saying is just that, you know, you, you don't have to have this vitriolic, you know, angry thing in order to have humor. You just don't need it. I mean, humor can pop up in different places and in different ways. You don't need it's I feel like there's a dependency on the, on this like hatred as a source. of. I don't know. Humor. I mean, it is I, very I funny. I mean, it's. Sometimes it sometimes it is. Yeah. So, I mean, I laugh. You guys make me laugh. No doubt. The idea that it's hatred. I, I think the, the final point and I, I got to run here after this, but yeah. the final point I'll say on like Bapian nihilism or whatever is, is, you know, what is the difference between nihilism and then accelerationism? And I, I just love in his telegram last night, uh, Bap sent this message that said, uh, 
War has started. Let us hope for a quick escalation to world war and from there a nuclear fire to renew this world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let us hope it escalate. Like this is accelerate. And is he joking? Fucking probably a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> Doomsday optimism, movie? baby. And well, you know, look at Mike Ma. Look at the whole like, um, you know, the world is nearing collapse. Kick out the last leg of the stool. Like, let's go. Uh, so, for for me, you know, I mean, I, I exist in the crypto world. That's what I do. Stacking crypto, mm-hmm. guns, land, like trying to build a thing for whatever comes next, that is a whole attitude that, to be honest, it's not a hate and a negative thing. It's things are going to go poorly on the macro scale. We are, we are seeking to like do great and have wonderful lives on the individual scale. And like, let's fucking go. Like if we need to, if we need to help light this fire a little bit, let's go. And we're going to make the absolute best and kind of be, be dancing as the ship goes down. And, uh, I just want to say that there is actually an energetic, positive vibe there that is that is not like hatred and like we hate minorities and like yeah, I get it. I get it. It's not yeah. like a whiny like Telegram channel. Oh, look at what they're doing to us now! Like it's, right. it's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean. Not to subtweet anybody, but like I right, think that right. with that you don't have that same level of like near persistent and obsessive like racial animus that leads people to just demoralizing themselves. I think that's not what BAP wants. Um, but, but to ascend its point, I mean, it's true. I think that in a weird way, when it comes to Christianity in particular, I think like BAP almost resonates in some sense with certain elements of Orthodox Christianity where they talk about the end of the world and they talk about sort of like their relationship mm-hmm. to the Russian uh, sort of, View, Slavic view of the world, right? Like, there's oh, there's some element of to the doomsdayism. Government. Yeah. Okay, Lev, can you stop? Like, you are smearing a huge chunk of our audience right now. No, I, I, don't, do, I don't care. I don't want... I'll, I'm just uh, I'm just being real. I'm friends of the Orthodox people. Anyways, I love no, Gravitas. You know I mean? like, is of, great. There's a level of doomsdayism. Oh, sorry, Tisa. Oh. Thank you, my. All friend. right, take care thank of that. Thank you so on. much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Winding down. Um, you too let's you talk too, health friend. later on yep but yeah there's in in certain elements of orthodox christianity and the russian one in particular there's uh there was this great book actually that um it talked about this weird relationship between uh, and i thought i saw reagan Logge in the chat he was the one that got me woke to this there's this book about russian um eastern orthodoxy and the early punk rock movement called death to the world where um they talk about this connection and how seraphim rose actually had a working knowledge of um uh, the punk rock movement and how this embodied in a weird way this sort of um the, there's other books about how the russian orthodoxy stuff comes in with like nuclear uh accelerationism you could call it uh there's a lot of very interesting connections between that aspect of thanatos and that element of of sort of a sacred nature of reality, but one that has to come about through a catastrophe. Um, and I know people in the chat were criticizing you, Aeon, saying that the the one aspect of the sort of like calling back a nihilist is that there has to be an element of destruction in order to create something new, which I think is true. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to um, sort of like hitch my wagon to any political project that wants to like 
I don't know, accelerate that. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, problems. Right. Yeah. Exactly. There's, there's a lot of problems with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, and again, what, like, like I said earlier is that, well, the system's really destroying itself. Actually, you yeah. don't really have to help it along. You really don't have to help it along because it's going down. Um, and so, and if you have skin in the game, right. If you have a family, if you live in the Americas, if you, you know, if you have things that you care about, your family's going to go with that. You know, you're, you know, you can dance on the on the deck of the Titanic if you want to and, you know, get Lambos and crypto if that's what you want to do. But the reality is I was not trying to talk shit about our buddy who was just here. But I'm just I'm just, you know, framing the issue. You know, the reality is when the system goes down, you know, you're going with it. I mean, that's just the that's just the bottom line. And so I think it's a little bit of hubris to to joke too much about this because it's actually it's a serious issue. I mean, the finance, you know, you just look at the inflation rates, uh, you look at, uh, you know, the, the world war type events that are are happening right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a real problem. We have a real problem. And the only way to resolve it that we have, the only means that we have to resolve it is the political system. That's that's right. the means that we have of getting our hands onto the levers and changing things. And there really isn't another way. I mean, it would be nice if we could all just get the bodybuilders together and just go raid, you know, the, the South American aisles and, you know, establish our pirate yeah, utopias. Yeah. But but now we also have nukes. Well, without, without the nukes, the nukes back, I mean, I will say that the criticism I have is the criticism that people like uh, myself and Joel and Keith Woods share is that you do have to think of things in terms of institutions and yep. proper rational political systems. I think the problem with BAP is that he does get carried away, I think, a little bit in the humorous kayfabe of like the 500 names we need to get rid of. We, we need to, you know, um, Roblox the 500 names and the world will be better. <laughs> I think that, I, I mean, I, I would love to, I, I would love to Roblox the 500 names, but I think that the problem with BAP is that he probably is very adverse to treating things in terms of political systems and institutions because the people that criticize him viciously the most, the quote unquote fed calves, they're the ones who talk about, well, we need integralism. We need post-liberal politics. And it's like, I understand that stuff is like faking gay, but to BAP's detriment, he probably leans into the criticism of that way of thinking too much to the point where he's, you know, saying that we don't have to think of things systematically. We just have to, you know, uh, you know, violence, bloodshed, sword and steel. Right, exactly. Five hundred yeah, names. Yeah. Get rid of them. Although, yeah. let's say, listen, I'm not, I'm not totally counting <laughs> because we do have to get rid of the five hundred yeah. names. Okay, well, those are very evil, satanic people. But well, you know, who knows? I mean, yeah, it's the five hundred. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm all mercy and amnesty, man. The way you well, know, and this. This kind of gets into the Caesar concept, I think, a little bit, um, which which I think is really interesting. And, you know, Babs had yeah. some interesting conversations with Yarvin about the Caesar concept. But, yes, you know, yes, yeah. this so the Caesar idea is actually a, a politically viable uh, option. Um, right. But it's important. It's important to understand, you know, like, you know, when the Caesar comes to power, he's not going to be leading his Roman legionaries across, you know, the, the, the Delaware. Across the, Rubicon, the Potomac, yeah. across the Potomac, across the Potomac. Yeah, across the Potomac. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's love, you'd that's love that, gonna... wouldn't you? <laughs> just a new Caesar just going across the Potomac. Just right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's, well what so, uh, what problems do you see with the new Caesar? Aeon? Well, I, so I, I don't I don't really actually see an issue with this. I think it's a, a very good idea, actually. Um, and I think uh, Yarvin's analysis of the preceding uh, 
you know, there was Washington, Lincoln, and I think he says FDR, who functioned essentially as Caesars. The executive branch managed essentially everything in the government. And I think it's a very right astute uh, analysis of the situation. Um, so you have to understand, though, if, if we get another Caesar, you got to realize, he, you know, he's not going to Roblox the 500 names. He's going to make deals with them. You know, that's that's how that's the bottom well, line. Well, Putin of how it's did gonna, that. Gonna I mean, he he Roblox exactly, some of them, yeah. but yeah. So, so again, so again, for those who for those who don't know, I realize that there is a bit of an echo chamber going on with the uh, Poodler love, and I understand that, and I made we'll peace with that. We'll have another stream soon, Lev. I'm pretty sure. But uh, probably... oh no, that we we definitely will. Where I'm going to bring more people on my side. But, but I, I, I do what, I do think yeah. though, Nullis asked a great point in the chat really quickly. Um, he says, "What is the? Let me go to it. Um, what is the?" Uh, so geo but is the bap's role what is bap's role and purpose does he have to provide answers to everything no i would say that bap like a lot of great artists and thinkers is merely providing a sort of number of shelling points a number of watersheds from which you can come and create your own system the problem i think is the people that want to systematize bap without naming names the aesthetic posters i have my criticisms of them because they're the ones who particularly want to create a system out of BAP. And let's face it, a lot of them are grifters and a lot of them have been exposed. And, but I do think that BAP, he would even say that he is not like, you know, I'm not the one to go and, uh, you know, redact the 500 names. I think that <laughs> that's not, <laughs> he says things like that for comedic effect, but I think that BAP right, even recognizes right. that himself. He's not, again, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I would love for BAP. I know he never does interviews except for a few people. I would love for right. BAP to come on the podcast. That would be a dream come true. And for uh, sure. I, but I do think that he would even say himself that he is not like this epic movement leader, thought leader that people want to put their, you know, face in the middle of. I think that he is really just saying, this is my, He's very much a creature of that old forum culture where it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. your sort of clout level or fame. Now, do I think there's moments where BAP sort of like self-marks a little bit? Yeah, of course. Do I think that even BAP can be like a bit paranoid about things? Uh, definitely. Yeah. But I think that... Yeah. Anyways, I was worried about the stream, Aeon, because I thought that you were going to... A lot of people, you know, as soon as you criticize BAP, it's like it's there's a big thing around it. And uh, yeah, I think right, this is right. a productive discussion. So yeah, yeah, you were going to say, right. yeah. So to your point, what uh, I was saying. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I just think that he's actually more influential than he think than he realizes. I, that's yeah, just I kind think of the probably. Bottom line. Yeah. yeah, I think he's probably a lot more influential than he realizes. And he has a lot of he has a lot of power uh, to to do a lot. But, you know, he kind of. Like I said, I think the racial thing hamstrings, hamstrings you guys. That's just that's my, as an outsider looking in. I know ZHP told me you don't belong here. <laughs> like, all right, that's fine. Uh, that's that's fine. Yeah. I'm just, but I, but you, but you guys are interesting, and you're driving a lot of the the, the public uh, discourse in a lot of ways, and you know, so, and I've kind of been you know in and out here and there over the past couple of years in different forums and things too. So you know, I've so it's it's um. It's just very interesting to see how much, you know, how much um, as the regime kind of loses its credibility, how much like anonymous posters are just like really taking the whole thing. I mean, they're, yeah. it's, just, it's amazing, yeah. you know, we really so. are kind of the vanguard. And I mean, I know this is like a, we're being marks for ourselves here, but like people right, in these right. spaces, like when you talk about 
intellectualism on the right wing, like what else is there besides us, really? I mean, apart from like a few people who are semi-mainstream, like uh, M- Michael Millerman, yeah. I would think is one of them. Um, maybe to an extent, well, I mean, Paul, Paul Godfrey's still alive. I should say Paul Godfrey. Um, but like there's very, very few and far between. I mean, this is, I mean, I was one of the first people, not to toot my own horn, but I was like one of the first people to like say, well, maybe we should be reading like, these crazy like French people, maybe that's uh, French and Germans. Right. But uh, one last question. Um, I think we covered a lot of ground. Of course, when it comes to BAP, I mean, it's inexhaustible, the thing we could talk about. Sure. But this is for Oscar in the chat. Uh, Aeon, are you a fan of Tool? Oh, you bet. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Why, is that bad? Because <laughs> Aeon was like, oh, he's pretty, probably is a fan of Tool. That's probably <laughs> mm. typical that Tool was- fan. <laughs> Typical tool fan, right? Right. Okay. Go read my oh, six hundred page commentary on the Old Testament, okay? And <laughs> get back to me. Well, that's one thing we didn't cover: the Bap and Christianity thing. Mm. I think that. Oh, and, and what yeah. denomination is Aon? I'm curious too. Well, actually, I don't. I'm okay. So I'll just give you my background: born and raised in a kind of Lutheran community, uh, private school actually. So. Um, so I, I, you know, we went to church every day on Thursday as part of our school. And so that's kind of how I grew up with the Christian stories. Um, uh, and then actually, you know, uh, because of my family background, I ended up getting pretty interested in Islam and just the history of Islam is, I thought, very interesting. Um, so I, I kind of got into that. And then that led me more into like the Old Testament and certain historiographical as, uh, kind of aspects of the, of the biblical narratives and stories. And eventually I just, I acquired so much information. I'm like, I should just write a book about this. And that's what I did. So, yeah. What's, um, what that, subject, if you don't mind me asking, what subject, which you would say would be a fun kind of contentious debate regarding Christianity, would you be interested in having here on Break the Rules at a certain point? Christianity. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Yes. No, you, know who, you know what I'm talking about. You know who I'm well, going to bring in? Who? Gnostic uh, uh, Informant. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Chris, well, I, I don't really have, I don't have very strong opinions about Christianity actually, because I think the historiography is very uh, murky, uh, frankly, the old Testament and Islam have like lots of like, uh, lots of like interesting historiographical kind of like Parallels, aspects to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So w- whereas there it seems like the gospels are just like, you know, very confusing and there's like the Nag Hammadi stuff and the Gnostic stuff added to it. And it's just, it's kind of hard to totally historiographically piece together. I mean, there's people who think Jesus wasn't even real and it's kind of hard to, you know, actually prove mm. otherwise. A frequent guest on Gnostics thing, uh, podcast, actually. Uh, professor, hold on, what's his name? Gio, you know who I'm talking Brett about. Ehrman? No, no, the guy with the uh, beard. Hold on, I'm going to see what his name is right now. Oh, t- not the Tovin guy. No, no. But, but anyway, I think it would be interesting, though, to have a discussion, not a debate, but a discussion about a lot of these uh, things, because I think you're a very deep oh, thinker, and uh, yeah. I would definitely appreciate Thanks, more, more of that side of it, because, like, the politics side, it's interesting, but I want to break the rules to be everything as well. Politics, Yeah, culture, we have to get back it. to, like, real out there. Uh, I wanted to get my friend Bizan- uh, the Bizarchive on the btr because he's good at with uh american folklore and stories like that i think we had that would be an interesting stream with uh stony herbalist yeah. or someone like that but um okay. so my friend abc wait wait one final question actually not final question well i, I actually have to go soon uh gnostic Informer has become the standard btr punching bad for christians oh my god <laughs> um this is by glow in the dark um 
ask Aeon about his view on Islamic revisionism, Islamic history fabricated by Abbasidus, uh, Mecca didn't exist, etc. So there's people that believe that the history of Muhammad in particular is um, fabricated. I don't know. I, I have no, no, I have no scholarship. Oh, I, I, I love Giorgiani's version where it was like the UFOs oh. that landed with... Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, or, or that it was Iran, that it was Iranian psyop. If there's one, it was the yeah, House Dave of Martel. Karen. So, Lev, I'm going to contact. I'm gonna, because Dave Martel has been asking me. He wants to get on the show, and he's a great dude, and uh, he's really insightful. He was on Joel Davis recently, but uh, no, Georgiani. If there's Wait, one is thing, it, he is hates he like more... an authoritarian uh, uh, um, Nazi or uh... Lev? When I said he's on Joel Davis's stream, what do you think of that? That inv... no, never mind. No, he's a good dude. He wants to talk about um, fiction and folklore and things of that. He's an expert in uh, his 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 website is quite good. Um, All right, I think I'll, I'll check like him, him out. I'll check him out. Check him out, Lev, please. Um, but no, Georgiani, If there's one thing he hates more than Christianity. It's probably Islam. He has like a burning, right. terrible hatred for Islam. Right. I think well, he had I'll answer that question that was asked asked by your friend, if you'd like. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I do think that actually there are parts of Islamic history that are largely uh, uh, revised uh, in, a, in a significant way. Uh, and that kind of starts with the Shia the Shia Sunni uh, division. Uh, in the, yeah. yeah in, the, in the beginning of the of the religion, really. Um but uh, there's there's one source I, I will recommend to anybody who's interested in, you know, Mecca wasn't real or whatever. Um, there's a guy named Dan Gibson who, who runs a YouTube channel and he produced a documentary called The Sacred City. And his assertion mm -hmm. is that the, the city of Petra uh, in Jordan, which is very familiar to a lot of people, it's kind of where they filmed Lawrence of Arabia in that area there. Um, the city, the ancient city of Petra was... Uh, was the city of Muhammad, and they used to call it Bika back in uh, mm. the, in the ancient Arabian times, and that this was a Nabataean. This was the kind of the uh, the, the city center of the Nabataeans, um, and this kind of ties into my biblical scholarship a little bit. I won't bore you, you guys with it right now, but um, essentially, the, the the classical architecture in Petra, you know, nobody has ever really proven where that came from, and uh, mm -hmm. some people say, well, maybe the Nabataeans built it, uh, whatever. Um, and so Muhammad kind of grew up in this traditional Semitic city in Petra, um, which had the classical architecture, probably came back from the times of the ancient Israelite kings, uh, because this is very close to Jerusalem. Uh, it's not very far away. Um, right, right, right. And so uh, Dan Gibson doesn't get into the kind of ancient architecture aspect of things, but he does a lot of amazing stuff in this video where he explains how this, how the location of Mecca was transferred uh, south in Arabia at a very particular historical period. It's a really remarkable uh, documentary. It's called uh, The Ancient City, uh, Dan Gibson. He's got a great YouTube channel as well. Recommend that strongly if you're interested in this. Do, do you f buy into the thesis, um, so Nico in the chat's probably because Islam destroyed Zoroastrianism. Do you buy with like the Georgianian thesis that um, not only did Islam subvert Zoroastrianism, but rather a lot of their greatest insights came probably from Iran, came from original Zoroastrian tribes and cults, you, like with Ahura yeah. Mazda in particular. Do you buy into that or? Oh, absolutely. I think Muhammad mm, syncretized, I think Muhammad syncretized uh, lots of different sects and basically made a kind of pan-Arabian uh, religion out of mm. basically all these different uh, ideas and beliefs. Mm. Zoroastrianism was part well, of it. Zoroastrianism even, even, the meteor, even the meteor in the Kaaba, that was yeah. a shrine for the uh, pagans who uh, traveled there long before Islam came around. 
Interesting. Yes. But, but do you say yes. towards Shia or Sunni? I mean, what's the one in Iran? The the Shiites. Yeah, the Shiites of yeah, Iran. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I do I do side towards the Shiites. Um, because well, me because I'm a that, fan of Sufi Islam. That's probably why. I well, Sufis are Sunnis, but uh, well, they're Sunnis, but yeah, they're, yeah, they're Sunnis, but depends. that's that's a good way of saying it. They're Sunnis, but yeah, but, uh, that's right. a good yeah yeah. <laughs> but the Shia Islam is very interesting because it has that sort of the influence from Persian civilization. So what, yes. what are your thoughts on like why you lean towards Shia a bit more? Well, actually, so it's kind of an interesting story how I kind of stumbled upon Shia, Shiism. I started watching this television show that was produced in Iran. It's called Mukhtar Nama. And it's hmm. honestly, it's in my like top 10 all time TV series that I've ever seen in my life. And it's, it's kind of, I mean, probably low budget by Western standards, but I thought it was incredible. It's this incredible reconstruction of the history of the life of this guy named Mukhtar, um, who is kind of um, he's a very interesting political leader and figure uh, in Iran, who basically was contemporaneous with Muhammad's grandsons. And it's this very detailed historical narrative that that explains like all the political happenings at that period. Mm. And it explains uh you really see why the Sunni Shia divide happened in this, in this, uh, uh, just by watching this without doing any scholarship, you can read some other books about it, but Mm. it kind of really shows you just the basic kind of struggle. Um, And it it shows you kind of, I think it shows the essence of like what Islam was supposed to be like, or like what it was intended to be like, Mm. the kind of romantic kind of vision of Mm. of what the religion was hoping to accomplish with the kind of universalism, uh, kind of uh, theological kind of, uh, just kind of unity, even across various religions. But there, so but there it, is a strange thing. But there is a strange thing, though, that I noticed just as an outside observer, where let's say we're comparing uh, Judaism and Islam and the different paths that each one went. So with Islam, mm-hmm. you have these towers set up that I can imagine they're kind of like antennas in a way. You have these antennas that transmit the signal, and then all the Muslims they just go and they just adopt these positions. You know, Islam, from what I understand, means submit. So they go into this submissive position with the uh, the rear in the air and their head down. And they all do the exact same thing. You could see it in Russia, by the way, which has such a high immigration of Muslims into Russia because Putin does not care about the Russian people. He just wants all the Muslims in there to act as his guards. But anyway, besides the point, I don't want to go on a rant. I don't want to go on a rant. I'm going to stop myself. The point is that Putin is the real uh, globalist. well, he's one of the uh, he's America one of the alone. world economic. Putin is one of the world economic forum young leaders. Klaus Schwab says so himself. Anyway, when it comes, I think to, that's a psyop, love. I wouldn't believe anything. Klaus when Schwab it comes, said. when it comes to uh, the difference between that and Judaism, and Judaism, what you have is you have one rabbi interpreting the Torah one way, and another rabbi interpreting a different way. And I think what happens there is you train the mind by not being dogmatic dogmatic and by considering different kinds of outcomes and i see that training of the mind as being more of this process of knowing thyself as opposed to just being in this very robotic kind of state not to say that there are not fantastic arabic scholars and poets and you know if we're talking about rumi you know hafez people of that nature who i think were able to get to this high state but more on the local kind of like middle class individual level when you have people i think who just go about the motions 
I don't think it's the same thing as understanding the motions. You know what I mean? Like, if you, especially in a lot of these Middle Eastern societies, have the laws of, you know, if you steal, we're going to chop your hands off, I think people are not going to steal because it's bad. I think they're not going to steal because they don't want their hands chopped off, which is why maybe in Europe right now, where we have the immigration of people who come from these predominantly Muslim societies, there doesn't seem to be that same fear of I'm going to get my hands chopped off so I'm not going to do these bad things. And as a result... Well, look at Philip it, Daniel it here. Loose. Philip Daniel, you bastard. Putin is remaining true to the Russian tradition of granting power in land to disaffected Tartar nobles and warlords. <laughs> 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 oh you know, he's 100% right. Listen, this is the and other to, thing... And to McGee in the chat, yes, both... Um, all of Trudeau's cabinet, including Trudeau himself... They were affiliated with the World Economic Forum's uh, Youth Summer Program. Christia Freeland is definitely a person. She was one of the only people to interview Klaus Schwab. Uh, Butts is part of it. Um, the guy that who was the guy that destroyed the English bank before Brexit? Um, Carney, uh, the clown car Carney, the guy who destroyed the British pound before Brexit. Hmm. He is also a uh, World Economic Forum show. I love this all comment. Trudeau's cabinet. All I love this comment, by the way. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. Uh, uh, from Nullis, who says, Lev has really put Putin on the Ritz. <laughs> I love that joke, by the way, of Putin riding on the Ritz cracker. That's very nice. No, but my, po my point about Russia is that throughout Russia's entire history, they seem to be making the same fucking mistake. They should have sided with the German Catholics back during the Middle Ages instead of protecting their, you know, their precious orthodoxy and instead deciding to sell themselves like a prostitute to the Mongolians. And as a result, you have oh, decades, decades of slavery. You really are a self-hating Russian. <laughs> what it, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Like Number one, Geo. If I was oh, self-hating, I wouldn't criticize. I criticize hey, I out of love. I agree that Garibaldi should never have unified Italy, but my God, love, that's too far. I criticize that's... out of love because there are Russian people who are not part of that mentality who come from the serf class as well. If we're talking about like Chekhov, for example, but, but Chekhov's that, father was that a serf. Dugan's point, though, is that... Russia is in between two unique civilizations that have radically different views of the world and also of metaphysical, uh, the metaphysical nature of reality and also the way that they experience politics and culture. No, because, you're, no, because you're, exclusive, you're excluding people who are some of the most genius authors, writers, no, not, not only small hats, Russia not only history. small hats. In I'm between, talking native Russia. No, no, but in between world history, there's such a unique position that they have that grants them insight into both spheres of the world. That yeah, is Nugent's point. You know, this is, this, is, right? this is like saying uh, black people in America are in a unique position because they were slaves. Oh, well, come on. Come no, on. that's true. Because let, let's look at a lot of problems with Well, see, black, now you're sounding America like a Bapian because the noble steppe warriors of the Golden Horde, <laughs> they conquered the Rus, the white Rus, the lily white Rus. <laughs> So is that no, what they saying, didn't. Lev? No, they didn't. And here's why: because the Lily White Rus, the <laughs> leaders of the Russians, who are actually not ethnic Russians, but were like Swedes and uh, uh, yeah, Norwegians, they sold they sold their own people out. You had Alexander Nevsky, who was crowned as you know, who was canonized as this fucking saint. You had Alexander Nevsky, who was going from village to village demanding tribute money for the Golden Horde, and if he didn't pay up, he would burn your village down to the fucking ground. And this is somebody who 
is still worshipped today in the uh, Orthodox Mass. <laughs> so shame, shame on you. Oh. Shame on you for worshipping a fucking mafioso. A lot of Estonians were part of the Russian higher class as well. I was good friends in, in uh, university with an Estonian girl. They all look, they look very alien-like, but very appealing for some reason, Estonian women. Oh, yeah, Estonia is a nice country. We had a little uh, summer place where we went there back when I was four years old in Estonia. They, by the way, had really good food. And this is the last point I want to make. Not about Estonia, but about Ukraine, because there's a similar thing going on there. There were regions of the Ukraine which were really fertile in terms of the farmland, which also had to do with the farming practices at the time. This was a region that Stalin identified as belonging to the Kulaks. So what did he do? He sent in his cronies in there. He starred the Holodomor, and he created a kind of culture within these particular regions, which now makes these regions, I'm talking about like Donstex, uh, I'm not saying it right, but you know what I mean, Lubesk, like these regions are the monkey on the back of Ukraine. Anytime Ukraine wants to get into NATO, these regions with their mafioso leaders get in the way and they say no. And it's, and it's good for Russia, it was good for Russia rather, because here you had a puppet regime that you didn't have to pay for in terms of, you know, welfare, in terms of any of en- amenities. So you had Ukraine having to take care of those motherfuckers while those motherfuckers were doing all they could to prevent Ukraine from moving in any way towards NATO. Now what you have is, well, not that probably because Russia's invaded. So Russia's probably going to take those countries on as their response countries, those particular areas on as their responsibility. And as far as what happens with Kiev and all that, what I would say there is you have to keep in mind the partisanship. Until 1960-something or other, there were partisans in every single place in, the, in Ukraine. And this was something that the Soviet forces were constantly dealing with. It didn't stop then, and I don't think it's going to stop now. And as far as who Putin's going to trade with after this, I hope Germany's not going to be a pussy. Because Germany doesn't want to do nukes. I know you like that, Geo. But because yeah. Germany doesn't want to do the, uh, the whole nuclear power, they're kind of dependent on Russia for their fuel, although they could trade with the United States. But that's a different story altogether. Well, so, yeah. Lev, listen, listen. Why do you want to reply? Why do you want to rely on a few disparate regions run by gangsters and people who possibly have Russian interests in the Ukrainian military uh, when you could just take the whole kit and caboodle? And you know what? Putler's going to take the whole kit and caboodle, love. Why do you feel about that? You're fucking femboy, non-binary, Western propaganda military. It's going to crumble to the base, noble step warrior Russians. Look at them. Like, you just see those soldiers. They're fucking seven foot tall. They're they're jigachads with AK-47s rolling in they they were rolling through the airport in kiev lev and then the cnn reporter was trembling uh, i interviewed the commander they let me interview him oh. and it's like, <laughs> these russian giga chads just like when they went into fucking chechnya and all of the women were so sexually enthralled by the russian giga chads that they just threw themselves up there was a lot of suspicious things that happened with the Chechnya women. But anyways, that's besides the point, love. Those you beautiful Ukrainian blonde women, they're going to sexually they're they're in a sexual ecstasy as soon as they see the Russian Gigachads. And um, God, it's gonna be amazing, Lev. 
dead middle of winter. They're going to go out of their homes, streaming naked, throwing themselves at the Russian military giga chats. That, that sounded so nice. Part of me doesn't even want to argue because of the way that you said it. Because I, I think that Italian people are true actors in the way that you are able to demonstrate something. Unfortunately, like any actor, you're still reading from a script that was implanted into your brain by the hive mind. So there's not that much that I can say to that. You're a nice no, guy, that Gio. My script arrived from Dugan this morning. Okay, He said... Gio, you go on stream with Bob. I love Bob. You're, you you're, must Gio, you're for Putler. Gio, you're a nice guy. You're a nice guy. The consensus of uh, several uh, Russian generals, people who are like high ranking up in the KGB hierarchy, is that what Putin basically did is he signed a suicide pact. He oh, wants come to take on, Russia man. down I don't know. He's not that dumb. Like, come on. No, and, he's okay. And all not honesty, dumb. He's though, crazy. you want a serious point. I don't buy this narrative that the reason Putin is doing this is because he's a madman or whatever. I think that Putin, he yeah. wanted to play America's bluff. That's the whole point. And I'm not an expert. I know people like, for example, um, second class American citizen, uh, our friend, the Prudentialist. Um, oh, I hate to say it because I criticized him before. I know I shouldn't say his name, but Nemitz had a good point. I think that Putin, he's doing this because he wanted to call Biden's bluff because he wanted to truly demonstrate to the world that this is, he's serious. He's not, and, and whether or not he's backing himself into a corner, only time will tell. But I think maybe he's more confident than people believe. I don't know. I, I, I think that he wouldn't have well, done this. Okay, if you're, if you're talking about confidence, let me tell you another thing you may not know about what's going on right now with Putin. Number one, he's living in a bunker. Number two, in order to get into that bunker, in order to even have any face-to-face -face contact with him, you have to go through several weeks of COVID testing because he is extremely scared of dying. This is not an Alexander the Great type figure. This is somebody who's going to sit inside a bunker and direct things from afar and not have any personal physical liability like a Napoleon, like an Alexander the Great, like any of the great leaders that have the fire in their belly that people look up to. So in that sense, I just see him as being this very... I do believe that he is, and a lot of other people who have been around him say so, that he's changed. And he is somebody who has become way more paranoid and way more crazy, and he is willing to do, you know, very crazy things that don't really have any out for him. Because even if you're talking about taking Ukraine, what's next? Is it just going to be business as usual? Everybody's going to trade with each other? I doubt it. Number one, because now there's been a sanction to get rid of the, and this has already passed, to get rid of the access to technology. Another thing you guys don't realize about Russia, how it works is that Russia does not make its own tech. Russia buys tech from other countries, and then it uses that tech for their military arsenal. No more of that. So what you're basically doing is you're closing Russia off from any potential to have any kind of society whatsoever by pursuing this path. No, I don't know about that. I mean, they'll still have deals with the Chinese. I mean, Europe is going to have to. Yeah, you know, the kind of deals with, with the now. Chinese, the kind where they have to, uh, you know, bend over and spread them out wide oh, and let the on. Chinese take look, them for Look at all Michael in the chat. Putin, Putler simply sees that Joe Biden is a total disaster and feckless and he's acting accordingly. It's how the world history works. It's it, yeah, exactly. I mean, Putler, you're being, like, you're like being, too, you're, says, you're being one dimensional. Geo, you're being one dimensional. Is 
operating on a 19th century civilization, um, a 19th century Westphalian understanding of the world. These people in Washington are dealing with a quote-unquote 21st century understanding, which is complete bullshit, hogwash. You want a good understanding? Read fucking Paul Virilio about the Iraq War. Read John Baudrillard in the Iraq War. That This is how you understand it, because the people in Washington are operating from a hyper-real understanding of politics. They're not operating from a true hard material understanding of the way the world works you know it's po- you know it's possible geo to agree with what That's you said about afghanistan sure well, exactly. absolutely there you go. well as yeah. i was about as mm-hmm. i was about to say it is very possible to agree 100 percent with what you said about washington dc while at the same time disagreeing 100 percent about the view of russia because we don't just have dc and russia we also have ukraine we also have all these other countries around that don't want to be ruled by a power that like tolkien says cannot create but can only destroy and you're missing well, their perspective you're missing the perspective of countries that are immediately going to start going into partisan mode and they are not going to rest, and they don't want to be ruled by a bunch of corrupt dickheads. So I think that point is being missed because there was so much concentration, rightfully so, about how suck you know how much the Biden administration sucks, how much it's ineffectual. But I'm afraid that shit like that clouds judgment when it comes to a bigger view of this whole thing about how other countries are going to react and what exactly the plan is here going forward for somebody like Putin. Regarding China, what I would say there is, like I said in the beginning, he is going to be selling gas at the cheapest rate possible to China in order to merely survive, in order for Russia to survive as a country, and eventually that shit's going to get old too because it's not going to be enough to maintain the economy. Well, well, I mean, just look at what I'd say. I'd counter what you're saying, Lev, by saying uh, look at what, uh, what he did in Syria. Okay, he didn't take over the government of Syria, but right. he he gave he gave them aid. And the story that I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but apparently an Orthodox priest asked him to help the Christians in Syria um, because they were being you know they're being murdered by by ISIS. And uh, so he apparently uh, he he hearkened to this what he was saying and said, okay, you know we'll send some troops in just to support at least. And and so you know and Syria has stabilized since. Russia's uh, intervention and, you know, because, you know, whether or not, you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff about how Assad wasn't a brutal dictator. He was just, you know, he was pretty much a normal Middle Eastern yeah, uh, ruler. Those are all yeah, has a strong presence. Yeah. Well, a, more, a normal Middle Eastern yeah, exactly. ruler would just, be a brutal dictator, but that's besides the point. I well, I agree. I agree. I agree with you that when it comes to iron fisted, when it comes to iron fisted dictators, I take the uh, Star Trek approach there, which I think the chat knows very well when it comes to, you know, if there's a certain kind of civilization out there that, you know, you don't want to you don't want to create instability in the Middle East. And frankly, the United States did. And that's horrible. But But at the same time, no, but but to Aeon's point, to Aeon's point, I'm going to go into Vouch mode here and ask you, can you link me to this particular thing? It doesn't have to be right now. But you in know, general, can you link okay. me to that particular story? Because I, I want to take Vouch, a look at it. I hope Vouch has a Spanish Republican moment. He goes and romantically go- has a little jaunt through the Ukraine. Uh, I hope Vouch and all the other red tubers do that. No, listen, Syria. Historic- <laughs> <laughs> historically, <laughs> Russia- <laughs> you know, Vouch won't do it. Anyways, um, historically, <laughs> Syria has always been an ally with Russia, and even the Soviet days. And for example, what he did. 
it only took about 10 days. 10 compared to what the Americans were doing, fucking things up for the last previous five to 10 years near Syria and yeah. in, in Syria. It took 10 days for the Spetsnaz to clear out ISIS. That was that was right. incredible. Ten yeah. days, and he got rid of me. And he didn't. And he didn't do this bullshit where he's like, "Oh, we're gonna help build your nation." Wait, how how do you know he got rid right. of ISIS? Exactly. Yeah, he devastated. He didn't get rid of them. He devastated the ISIS forces that were terrorizing certain. Um, how how do you know that? Christian and Jewish. What do you mean? How I know it was. How do you know it? News. Okay, send yeah. me the article. It was a while ago, Lev. This was, was all a while ago. You can. No, 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 send don't me the article. Don't do a Bosch here. Come on, don't become Bosch on us. Come on. Come on. No, this Come is something on, that not only... Look, people attribute this shit to Vosh. It's not Vosh, it's Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, I love what he yeah. does, where he gets Jamie to look something up and to confirm it. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm too... Look at the, look at the chat. Breaking Indra has arrived with chariots to Ukraine. <laughs> Breaking takeover French government establishment Russia Franken Empire. <laughs> Breaking I mean, like, I, Bosnia I, I, has surrendered accidentally unaware they were at war. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, I, I I can't even criticize that because well, there's so it's many the lovely mentality. Ukraine. I'm no, no, I'm not. I was gonna make a joke. I was gonna regret making a joke about Ukrainian oh. women and what happened in the middle east, no, in, the, no. in the eastern europe in the 90s i was not gonna yeah. make that joke i'm still breaking the goddess kali has arrived oh fuck no <laughs> kali has descended over ukraine it's gonna <laughs> I, don't, I don't know all these references but <laughs> oh kali she's the uh she's the goddess that represents uh, the destroy destroying of the ego. Oh, yeah, the yeah, black yeah, goddess yeah, with yeah, the yeah, tongue yeah, yeah, sticking yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's pretty cool. Anyway. self. <laughs> oh no. Anyway, guys, we got to go to super chats because I am very yeah. hungry. Surprisingly, yeah, I'm very too. hungry, and yeah. I have to eat. I am as hungry as a horse. So let us go okay. to uh, let us go to super chats right now. And again, Aeon, really appreciate you being here, brother. And uh, oh, we'd yeah. love to have you back. Thanks, guys. And, yeah, it was fun. And uh, lastly, what else do I want to say? Lastly, I want to say, leave a like. Listen, for all the people who are watching this right now, number one, if you're not subscribed, what are you doing with your life? You have to subscribe to Break the Rules. Become a part of this thing because there is no other program out there. Not Killstream, not Shillstream, not Drillstream, not any kind of stream. Drillstream, by the way, that is a good stream about carpentry. But leaving that aside, there is not one stream. <laughs> there is not one stream that does what Break the Rules does, which is bringing together people from all different parts of society to speak you know before that you know we had people on from various think tanks ngos together with anonymous people with anime avatars who sometimes are not anonymous when they accidentally click the wrong button and reveal their face to the world but what you gonna right. do that's that's life that's life that's it happens life, we just gotta we just gotta roll with it like a katamari ball anyway here are the super chats Look at this breaking golden cube has arrived over the crap on putin going in <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> all right, we have a first of all, we have a $40 patron. This is 2 days ago, but I just announced it. $40 patron Holy break the shit. rules. Can you believe that? I wonder why not $50. Well, less work. Less work for for my dad because $50 patronage is well, first let me tell you about 5 
is yeah, $5. You are going to get the MP3 episodes of the uh, stream after they come out. You are going to get the um, we're going to have a uh, private Patreon only stream not this Monday, but next Monday, and uh, I'll give you the details about that later on. So if you want to be a part of that Patreon-only stream, next, yeah. for $20 patrons, you are going to get these absolutely beautiful magnets from my father, Alexander Polyakov. Let's give him a hand. $20 gives you all these. And Geo, you should see what my dad's working on right now. This oh, yeah. is for $50, but before that... $30 is going to give you a very beautiful print from Giovanni Penichetti from the TFW No GF Series. TFDW Became a Cop No GF Series. <laughs> Shout out to the uh, Arthur. Shout out to Arthur. Man. I can't believe what they fucking did to Arthur. <laughs> I'm so upset. Like, they turned him into a fucking Reddit soy jack. He looks like he writes for BuzzFeed now. And they turned... um. Who is his like Tom Tomboy love interest? What was her name? No, I th I think she's fine. I think there was this other girl there who they gave the SJW hairstyle to. An F to M, yeah. Oh wait, really? Yeah. No. I think so. No. Yeah, I know the the one he called Marshmallow. When they oh were man, I, 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 I got to look this up. But anyway, when I was a kid. I loved Arthur, but nowadays uh, they, they they ruined it. Um, here, here's the uh, yeah, look at this like beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And look, guys, I agree I with the, all of you about the ruination. I'm just not going to put my put my loyalty towards a uh, thug like Putin who's corrupt and who hates his own people. I'm not going uh, to do that. But otherwise, well, but otherwise, look, I agree with all the criticisms you have, and I think that's the middle ground. That's the middle path that none of you people ever go on, but I'm going to go on it because that's, that, that, that's destiny. Anyway, uh, let's go to Super Chats, but before that, $50 patronage is going to give you a beautiful magnet like the ones that I showed you, but a custom magnet. So if you're a fan of Sticks Hexenhammer 666, you are going to get this beautiful dragon sculpture, which you see on the screen right now. If you're not a fan of Sticks, and by the way, hope uh, hope uh, the baby uh, is going to come and all wish wish him all the best with the baby. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. We need more. We need more uh, enlightened, uh, you know, children to carry on to carry on the torch. Anyway. My father is going to make a beautiful magnet for you, and right now, Gio, he is making a magnet in the style of no, not not a magnet, a sculpture, a wooden sculpture made out of cypress wood for mm. one for one of the patrons of uh, this um, painting of Diana, the one with her in the bow and arrow, and it's also made in the style of like a Greek, like the the uh, the Greek Orthodox icon iconography you know like it's uh it, it has Ooh, a particular shape nice. to it so it's a very beautiful thing i'm gonna take lots of photos of it so see this is how this is how i spoil you people this is the kind of stuff that you can get when you become a 50 dollars patron patreon.com slash break the rules i'm gonna post that link right now and you better become a patron i am serious if you don't become a patron i don't know what i'm gonna do anyway here Here's the link, patreon.com slash break the rules, become a patron. And now, final super chats, and I'm finally going to get go eat. So here we go. Oh. We, we have, oh, oh, we have another patron. $5 via patron. This was a day ago. So there we go. We have another nice. patron too. And we have true story, 100 ruble, 100 rubles, who says, rusophobes, in parentheses, lev. <coughs> 
<laughs> coping and seething and seething. Oh no! Oh no! Next one over here. Uh, no name donated two dollars. Who says racists are the only genuinely non-racist people? See, I would disagree with that because Very if you true. go no, here's the thing. If you go into the if you talk to people who are in the third world. They do have this very racial hierarchy, and even like Japanese people, they have very racist tendencies where they would look down on Filipinos. I'm not saying all Japanese people, but that is a very cultural thing. While at the same time, I think that it was the culture of the United States and Europe, uh, this Western culture, that was able to go beyond that. And yes, it's just like all the things we're talking about. It, there is a tendency for it to go overboard and go into this very uh, very lefty, uh, very self-hating mode. And it's about balancing that shit out. We gotta balance that shit out, and it's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I would say that the West, when it comes to the way that it's approached uh, racial relations, has done so much more than any other culture in the entire face of the universe. Or at least the Earth. So in that sense, I think that there should be a thankfulness for how racial ra ra slavery, things of that nature. It was Western civilization that was able to rid us of that shit. And it's still around in the Middle East. So there we go. That's well, what I was talking about. Apparently yeah. they pushed all the way into into Kiev, not just the airport. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, like, like I said before, let's see how long this lasts and what the future holds. Anyway, Dunkachino199 is Kosovo next, Geo. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Could be. And no, next... I don't think so. I mean, is there? would there be a reason for them to go into Kosovo? I don't know. Well, uh, would there be a reason for them to go into Finland? Again, like, I think that Putin's oh, mentality... Oh, that would be pretty based. That could well, be, that Finland could be has cool. a pretty strong army as far as volunteers go. You remember how they what, got, got, Dr. Got, got the Soviet asses handed to them back in World War II? Oh, yeah. You remember the, yeah. uh, the white, Suomas, death, yeah. white Death Sniper? Um, yeah, with their Suomas and snipers. Uh, no, it's funny because Ben Braddock, I, I just saw on Twitter, said that Finland is the only army that is actually materially capable of... Uh, handing the ass of the russians to them so no they're probably never gonna threaten uh finnish power but i don't know i mean did, did is there some kind of link between uh well i know they've been historically hated each other but you know um i don't know i, I don't know what the opinion of finnish people are towards the russians now well now um, finland is considering going into nato so it's actually funny that putin has this whole fear of nato and justification for going into ukraine being nato's going to get us i think that this whole thing is going to result in actually way more of a consolidation of nato against what's happening so it's in a way putin's bringing on exactly what he uh, feared so next we have massive mcgee two pounds Putin has girl bossed into Kiev. <laughs> it's over. Well, again, it's over when the. We're going to see how the next days play out. So, next, Tux loves you. This is the final super chat, and then we're out of here. Tux loves you, $2. Lev, enjoy your sneed and feed. I definitely will, my brother. I will enjoy eating. <laughs> and. Uh, tomorrow i'm gonna to do a good exercise to get rid of those calories and we got to get back in touch with that and i'm gonna go over the system anyway this is the end of the show thank you so much for watching i appreciate every one of you even if i don't agree with people that's good that's a good great. thing there has to be this kind of disagreement good night everybody yeah. god, god bless, bless. god bless and Goodbye. good